the scoreline when he looked at it like looks like a hammering. And it was a hammering though. They scored 28 points in about three minutes, and we couldn't stop them. You know, okay, so it was a hammering. But there's there's different levels of hammerings here. OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7:30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, it's bang on half past seven. It's Thursday morning, which means the Ireland team has been named overnight for the final and decisive test against New Zealand. And as expected, Bundiaki comes straight in. So he's really the only change from the weekend. Uh, Keith Earls comes in to take his place on the bench, having captained the midweek team. He'll obviously be a little bit tired, but uh, buoyed up by the victory on Tuesday against the New Zealand Maori. So <clears throat> the team is as expected. Andrew Porter, Dan Sheehan, Tyke Furlong, Tyke Byrne, James Ryan in the second row, Peter Manny, Josh van der Fleer and Caelan Doris. Uh, it's Gibson Park, Sexton on the wings is Mac Hansen and James Lowe, Bundyaki, Robbie Henshaw and Hugo Keenan make up the rest of the team with, as I said, Keith Earls taking his place on the bench, the only other change. So Herring, Healy, Bealham, Kieran Treadwell, Jack Conan, Connor Murray and Joey Carby. The big news from the All Blacks team is that um, well, their pack looks pretty fearsome. It's Retallick and Whitelock re- uh, restored to four and five, which means Scott Barrett goes six. And they also are starting with Will Jordan at 14. So you could say this is their strongest team out for the very first time in the three test series we'll put that to Alan Quinlan on the show a little bit later on and see exactly what the crack is with uh, his expectations for it. loads of other stuff going on as well um, uh, Raheem Sterling has been pictured in Hollywood in his new jersey which is uh, the Chelsea jersey and he says it's a bit of a homecoming for him the opportunity to play in front of his home fans it'll be the Lee, uh, Limerick and Kilkenny lads playing in front of their home fans on Sunday Owen is in Limerick Owen good morning to you I can hear you in the background there how are you? I'm very well, Ger. What's the crack? Ah, oh, you and it's Joe Dolan over your shoulder, right? That's who that statue is. <laughs> yes, uh, Mr. Uh, Joe Dolan slash Terry Wogan, whichever uh, whichever uh, angle you want to take on it. Uh, we're out on Harvey's Key beside the Terry Wogan statue. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, like I, I think you really say, you can hear me, you can, you can literally hear roadworks going on somewhere. So I apologise for that. I've just been speaking to uh, Noel Hogan of the Cranberries uh, while there were street cleaners uh, working around us. He is also one of those morning warriors as well uh, who gets up early and tries to attack the day for, from early on. So we had a good chat, which we'll bring to you tomorrow morning. But it's been, uh, it's been good to be back here again this year as, as Limerick get used to this at this point. Get used to being in All-Ireland every single year. And does he just live in the city, like close by to where you are now? He does, yeah. He, he made the point that actually when their star was rising years ago, that they all decided to just stay at home. Uh, you know, they, they got plenty of travel done while actually performing around the world and uh, the humility that living in Ireland probably brought where you know nobody really got too carried away with your own fame and your own star rising that's something that they actually kind of liked and uh, all of them decided to, to stay put in Ireland and fly home to Shannon every time they'd come home from Los Angeles or wherever they would be Alright, that, that, so that, that, the good stuff's coming on tomorrow's show on Friday when I won't be here, <laughs> good stuff Excellent Yeah yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we, we, we're going to be asking Joe Quaid a little bit later on um, for his thoughts on it and uh, exactly what's going to happen at the weekend. If you have a view, we'd love to hear from you because there's, uh, you know, there's a growing sense that maybe this game is going to be very, very, very close as opposed to the coronation of the second greatest team of all time who are on the verge of becoming, becoming the greatest team of all time. So we'll see. Here's what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock. Uh, Alan Quillen's going to join us at 7.50. Joe Quaid is going to join us at uh, 10 past 8.00. Owen's been speaking with the former Limerick manager, Tom Ryan. 
Uh, David Herod is going to join us at 8.50. Rory Keane is going to join us to talk uh, rugby at 10 past nine. And then we've got some Brian O'Driscoll goodness from last night for you at half past nine. So where do you want to start, Owen? What, what, um, do, do people take uh, success for granted in Limerick or is it still so new and fresh and amazing that they're just basking in it? Still so new and fresh and they are absolutely still basking in it. This is just like what I imagine 2018 would have been like in terms of their appreciation for this team. Actually, no, sorry, it's different. It's probably more similar just to last year where they, they have had their success now, but they have not got to the point where they've started to take this for granted. There is still this sense that this is temporary and that is the reality of sport. All success is temporary. Your team will genuinely fade out and, and, and they will exit stage left. And I think that because they're not a Cork or a Limerick, or not because they're not a Cork or a Tip or a Kilkenny, they have a realisation that, that maybe they are something of the nouveau riche and that might mean that their time will expire and they're all appreciating it so much. So one of those places that's definitely feeling that is the, um, the St. Patrick's Club in, in Limerick City. Now, St. Patrick's are a small enough club. They're a dual club here in the city and their greatest export, I guess you could say, is Garrod Hegarty. He, he comes from the St. Patrick's Club. He's played football and hurling all the way up through the age ranks. So I went out to the club yesterday uh, to have a chat to a few of the voices around there. I spoke to the chairman, who is Larry Cross. I spoke to one of his old football coaches at underage level, Tom Downs, one of his underage hurling coaches, Sean Maher, and one of his co-players at the moment with the club, uh, Patrick Mullins. So here's how those conversations went. We have one rugby club and probably four soccer clubs around the one parish so and we have another J club actually in the parish so look we have to fight for any kids that want to play but thank god at the moment our numbers have increased massively since 2017 2018 I suppose back in the, the Mac era we, we, we would have a lot of players that that, that, that would have played with Limerick in the one a minor the one a minor title in 1958 and we'd five players on that on that team but then again you know when you're in the inner city you're competing with other sports and Limerick is the sporting capital of Ireland I suppose when it comes to other sports it's it's hard to, to, for um, the fella has to make a decision and usually you lose out to rugby or soccer whatever the case may be but um Garrod to take the route that he took and for what he's achieved it's absolutely tremendous for us and it's tremendous for the people of the club especially the other guys because we thought we'd never we'd never see days like this again and as I said to have one of your own club men on it it's phenomenal you know You soldier alongside Garrod for St. Patrick's in both courts Yeah hurling and football have played with Garrod for, since he came up to the adult ranks now for many years um, Garrod has been in all the underage teams I've watched Garrod the whole way up because I had a couple of brothers involved in the same team so look I could always see the talent was there um, Garrod was floating in and around Limerick teams for years but he was never very prominent in the Limerick teams Was he always the biggest fella on the pitch? Uh, yes tallest by a mile he was by we we yeah no doubt he was there was nobody anywhere close to him he wasn't always as tall as he is now obviously like, but <laughs> he, he, he was always he was always a little bit above everyone else yeah if you had to pick is he actually a better footballer than a hurler potentially <laughs> Jesus, he, uh, he, he's he's a serious hurler. Like he, he, if if he didn't make it in hurling, he'd 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 be he'd be he'd be he'd be the next John Gallivan when it comes to Limerick football terms. He was so good, you know. Right. I mean, he he captained he captained Limerick at under twenty one level in football, you know, and um, he he's just a phenomenal a phenomenal athlete, great presence, great brain, and you know he will able to read the game. All you have to do is come up here any night. Um, since two thousand and eighteen. The, the 
the turnouts and the crowds that are coming here for, for underage training now it's, it's not down to Giroud solely like, but there's an awful lot of work going on by a huge amount of people like, but um, when you see Giroud up around the field like, you can see people are, are and not just the kids like, but the coaches and everybody are you know, they're standing up straight like, they're that little bit taller like, we're proud of where you know, what he has done and what he's brought to the area like. Ah it's great we, I, uh, you don't know how, how much it means to a club like us we, be, we could be considered a small club and the profile he's after giving us is massive. Everyone knows now where St. Patrick's is. And Garrod is... Everyone knows where Garrod comes from. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant, you know, when you've played alongside a lad like that. And not only that, to see... And a club man to see or the elders of our club being so proud it's fantastic my father's involved in the club for years and uh, I can't it's about to match with him because he's shouting for Garrod you know it, it makes everyone in the club very very proud and we are all very proud of Garrod it's easy for the likes of myself who was a young lad to say uh, 1973 we'd known Ireland since 1973 before this team came along you know but we didn't feel that pain like and our elders have all felt that pain they've had no success not, nothing to celebrate you know so now that it's coming around and we actually have a member of our club involved it's, it's, it's unprecedented and it's brilliant how proud does Grod Hegarty make everybody in this club feel? It's, um, just getting emotional. Um, it's 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 extra special when they make it any monster final or all the final. But when you, when you run club men involved, it's it's extra special, you know. And like what 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 we've achieved, what Grod has achieved in the last four or five years, has snowballed outside there that our, our membership has increased. But now, like we've we've kids, we've we've over four hundred members, everyone hurling the football and. Like they all want to be the next Garrod Hegarty, and it's phenomenal down here for us that we, we I suppose we're, we're on the long time. But I suppose go back six, seven years ago, we'd be our membership wouldn't be as as, as big as it is now. But a lot of work has been done on underage, and that's that's typical. That's down to Garrod, I suppose, and the success that he's had, you know. And in fairness, he, in fairness to the men, if any spare time, he's around here. He'll he'll coach the lads. He'll talk to them. He present medals. He's no autographs, no problem whatsoever. And he's so laid back, and he's don't hurt, you know. It hasn't faced him one bit, and all the kids love him. And as I said, they all want to be the next Tiger, you know. And it's. Do you, do you remember how you felt when you saw him win his first All Ireland with Limerick? I do, yeah, it's cried my heart out to tell you the truth, you know. Um, just so proud of him, and. I suppose being, being around club men um, and to see to know what he what he gone through and disappointment at minor level to come along and achieve what he's achieved and to see him on to eighteen when it well first of all he's winning that since seventy three was was absolutely well, a tear to everyone's eye but to get all involved in it was absolutely super you know and um, it's I suppose something you'll take to the grave but I, I cried my heart out when he wanted to do the throat you know. Like, like every other adult, I suppose, in Limerick, that we've seen the bad times and the hard times, but they finally got over the line. And as I said, uh, when you're on Clubman involved, it's absolutely super. It's great for the parish, it's great for the people, it's great for the club. Owen Sheehan making the country cry again. Yeah, I'm, well, actually, I'm just on a mission here to uh, uh, wrestle Grod Hegarty away from hurling and just uh, install him into the Munster Championship, you know. I think, uh, I think the Munster the Monster Football Championship, I mean, I think it could do with a, a player like Road Hegarty at this point. A big claim made in the middle of that just kind of slipped in under the radar. Uh, of course, Limerick being the sporting capital of Ireland. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> All right. OK, we can have that war next week. But certainly we're going to come back to that. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we might have to come back to that. It, 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 I don't know. There, there's, there is a claim. A claim. I, I know that Dublin and Cork will, will absolutely per, fight that. Per, and per capita, there, there's definitely a claim at the moment, you know. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, and and also just the variation that they have and the success that they've had over the last twenty years in, in, a, in a load of different sports. 
We've kind of buried the lead, right? It, it does appear at this stage as if uh, we're not going to have Keen Lynch taking part in the All-Ireland Hurling Final. This was news that you were uh, relaying to us yesterday. Literally, the man on the street was stopping you to tell you that uh, there was an, an issue with Keen Lynch's ankle. Yeah, a Fe- FedEx delivery man on the, the street on O'Connell Street stopped me yesterday and was wondering if, if Keen Lynch is out because he had obviously just got words that he was out. And I just heard uh, a couple of moments previously to that that, that he was injured in training. Uh, I did catch up with one of Keen Lynch's uncles around this time. Uh, he very tactically and very smartly, I would say, uh, told me that he was going to get in touch with Valerie after uh, he spoke to me. And, you know, would it have been good journalism or just being a bit of a dick if I texted him after the conversation to be like, sorry, so what's, this, what's the Keen Lynch's mom say? I didn't send that text anyway, but... You, you can right, right. you can do both. I mean, it would be in character, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. So I, I didn't do that, but I, I did catch up with Keenan Lynch's uncle, not Kieran Carey this time, but uh, Sean Carey, the, the the more ginger of his uncles, I would say. So it was uh, it was good to catch up with him while we were uh, standing outside in the sunshine, almost getting sunburnt. And yeah, we just had a, a good chat uh, in the city centre here in Limerick yesterday uh, about Keenan Lynch and a little bit about the pro am last week. He was playing in it. I'm not as famous as my brothers, but look, yeah, it's a great week for Limerick. Uh, we're chomping it a bit. Sunday's coming up for us, and we can't wait for it, you know. So a great time for us, and we're just making the most of it, you know. And uh, looking forward to Sunday, and fingers crossed it'll go the way for us. You are, of course, a Patrick's well man, but uh, you're in a hand. Uh, you've, you've moved to a hand at this point, haven't you? You've left Patrick's well behind. Well, I, I don't know about left behind, but I'm the blowing. I'm the blowing, yeah. And seriously, yeah, I was born and raised in Patrickswell. Played my whole life in Patrickswell all my life, but moved to Han about 24 years ago. And uh, couldn't have moved to a nicer place, a better club. And uh, my son now, Nathan and Chloe, they both play for Han. And uh, proud of Han people. And my wife, of course, Anne is from Han as well. So happy out there. You know, it's Mackey country and the whole lot. And the Moorns are out that side of the neck of the woods as well. So look, happy to be there. And haven't been treated as a, an outsider as much, you know. Maybe one day it'll be the, the Keen Lynch versus Mick Mackey debate when all this is said and done. Oh, God, that's a big one, but I have to say, Keen Lynch, while well, he's a different gig and Mick Mackey, there were different times. Yeah, it's great to talk about it, great to do the comparisons. And, uh, oh, yeah, sure, Keen is, we know what Keen is made of and what he can do. And sure, Mick Mackey, the legend that is Mick Mackey. And, you know, so we could debate about that going down the road yeah, and all other debates, but so far we're just embracing it all, you know. What has this season been like for you as a family, obviously, with Kean not getting the amount of minutes that he would have liked due to, due to the injury, obviously? Oh, yeah, well, really, it's great to have Keen there, don't get me wrong, but we're all Limerick to the core. Like, Keen has missed it. We've been there, but we still follow Limerick. We want him there, but guess what? It's a collective thing for all of us at Limerick. We were long enough without it. We've come down Jordan's Road before with lumps in the throat, and we just want Limerick to win. Great if Keen is there. If he's not, listen, we're just well behind him as well, and, and fingers crossed he will be. But guess what? We're all Limerick, regardless of who's there. And obviously we want Limerick to do well as, as a collective, you know. So it's fingers crossed, on. That's what we're hoping for. Are you nervous watching him? Not too bad, because it's, he's a talented guy. He's just, um, I like to kind of watch him to see how good he is and keep the goggles on him, because you get a glimpse of what he is. He does stuff so fast in real time. But again, my, his mother obviously would be chomping at a bit of that one. But just more proud that it's the nephew and of course then to see all the rest of them to click together and they seem to be such a bonded band of brothers you know so uh, great to be part of it and great to see them they're, they're, I think they're a special bunch and we need to make the most of them Obviously Valerie got onto the pitch in the 2018 final were you far behind her were you trying to get on the pitch yourself? No I just leave Valerie walk away <laughs> you know I christened her Mrs Obama you know it is easier to get in contact with Mrs Obama than Valerie but you know it was great uh, you know she got onto the pitch and you know there was a great photograph from the Olympic leader of her embrace and my brother Kieran after the 96 final of the last uh, it was a tearful embrace and to see this one of tears of joy 
it definitely got the heartstrings going, you know. Yeah. So it was great to see it. There was that bit of irony, the tears of sadness and then the tears of joy. It was brilliant. And I'm delighted for her and for Keane. And, of course, all of Limerick. And I think going credit must go to the, the management team that are over Limerick. The whole lot of them, from John Coyley down the whole lot, they just nailed it. They seem to have a great bunch together and they're just, just so coherent. And it's great to see it. How much does it make it all the more sweeter for you, given that you've had to obviously experience those couple of disappointments in the 90s and to come through, not to become contenders, but to become a fairly dominant team at this stage? Yeah, it's a great feeling, uh, Owen. You know, you went up there kind of before in kind of hope, without being disrespectful to who was there. Now we're going up with, with more than hope. You, we have a bunch of guys here and it's a great feeling. We're humble, don't get me wrong, and you know we're not saying that it's our time. Well, it is our time. Make no mistake about it. But we want to make a bit of here while the sun is shining. But it's a nice feeling of anticipation. But we know well it's not going to be easy. We're realist. But you know what? We know we're a great bunch of guys here, and we're just embracing it and making the most of it. If people were paying close attention to the JP McManus Pro Am a couple of weeks ago, they might have spotted you swinging a club. Uh, who were you playing with at the at the Pro Am? Oh, I had the pleasure of playing with Patrick Cantley on the Monday and uh, Rafa Cabrera Bella on the Tuesday. Both consummate gentlemen, and I have to say, um, pleasure to play with and a pleasure to meet with and uh, meet and greet with. And we even presented them with a slitter after each round, and they were just thrilled to bits with it. And it was a pleasure, you know, really was. Uh, and of course, they were blown away with the fact our horrors are amateurs, but brilliant and a part of the whole week, you know. Right. So all we want now is the icing on the cake Sunday to make it a perfect month, you know. Yeah. Could Cantlay potentially win the Open the same day uh, Limerick win the All-Ireland? Do you know what? It could be a bit there on. <laughs> Do you know what? And you know, I see he was joined fourth the weekend, but you know what? I wouldn't rule it out. And I wouldn't rule Parley Carrington out either. You know, what a, what a week it would be and uh, for them two things to come together. But fingers crossed, uh, we look on and hope for Sunday and we wish Pat Cantlay and the boys the best in the Open. You know, you just never know. Who's the best golfer in that Limerick team? Oh God, there's a few of them there. Um, like Keane wouldn't be, that's for sure, you know. But I think uh, at the top of my head, I think Joe Hegarty is useful enough, you know. But other than that, there's a few boys that have been risky. I don't know does Shane Dowling play a bit now, but Shane has gone. But I wouldn't put past them. They're great ballers, all of them, and well able to hit the ball. And they play the manner from time to time, you know. So um, they'll be well able to put their hand to it if they had to, you know what I mean. But I'd say at the moment, I'd give it to Hego, even though I'm not sure. Sorry, Garot, but uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll hold my counsel on that because I just don't really know to be honest about it, you know. What's going to happen on Sunday? Oh, I think it's going to be a ferocious affair. And I think uh, whatever team goes out, I think Limerick knows what Kikini are going to bring to the table. But make no mistake about it, Limerick are going to bring a lot to the table as well. I think it could go down to the wire, and I think it'll just be a ferocious battle. And uh, at the end of the 70 minutes, you know, it's, I think it's going to be down to the wire. and made the best team win, you know. And um, it could be just a puck of a ball in it. Yeah. And I just think on the day, I'd say it could go either way. Fingers crossed, I hope it's Limerick's, but... It's going to be a ferocious battle and looking forward to it. Mm, prices tight and slightly Limerick three point favourites as we stand here this morning. Well, I think it was four earlier in the week. Maybe there's um, some other rumblings in the background, a bit of a bit of um, concern around some of the other key Limerick players. But sure, look, we wait and see until uh, after the game really to find out exactly what mm-hmm. the truth is about that. Uh, how are the fans preparing? Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, it's. Uh, I always find Limerick is an unbelievably colourful county. That when it comes to the bunting and knowing that their team is in a big game. Uh, there's no better place to come than Limerick. Um, on the front of the Limerick leader this week, you've got a, a picture there of this house. This is uh, Ken and Trina Daly, who are in uh, Grange, County Limerick, near enough to Bruff. Uh, and when I saw that they were on front of the Limerick leader, I said I had to go out to that house and uh, see what the crack was. So I met Ken and I met Trina, and uh, they invited me to their house to have a chat, have a look. So Limerick and Bruff would have been traditionally a GA stronghold. 
Um, and then uh, two gentlemen from the local area actually got banned from the GA uh, back in 1969, and they set up Brough Rugby Club in, in late 1969 and early 1970. So that was the, the history of Brough Rugby. And then, obviously, John the Bull Hayes w- would have been our most uh, favourite son. Uh, went on to play for the Lions and for Ireland um, and is back now himself and his wife are very involved in the club helping out with um, the underage and what have you um, and then obviously in more recent times the hurling has uh, well the hurling has always been there obviously but um, with, the, with the success of Limerick and obviously with Paul Brown and Sean Finn being uh, involved in Limerick over the last four or five years it's uh, it's meant an awful lot to the kids of the area to be fair you know so so the GA ban inadvertently gave Ireland yeah. Sean Hayes yeah yeah in a way in a way yeah I'm sure John would have probably found his way to rugby anyway without Brough but uh, yeah it, it, uh, that's the, that was the, the history of Brough so they celebrated their 50th year obviously back in 2020 unfortunately because of Covid they never got to um, to uh, celebrate it in the way they wanted to but um, yeah they're, they're 52 years on the go now so yeah Can you talk us through then the, the local GEA heroes or heroes probably more apt Of course Sean Finn now um, our, our magnificent defender um, he is we're, we're so proud of him um, he's a great clubman, a great a great ambassador for the sport, a very down-to-earth guy. Um, I was involved in a fundraiser for Brough GAA recently with his mum and his twin sister and my own sister. We did an ABBA tribute. So when I was above in the house, his mum, Siobhan, said to me, do you want to see Shawnee's medals? And I went, yeah. <laughs> so she pulled out a box on top of the counter and started to produce all the medals. And it was just very casual. I know if my son had that many All-Ireland medals, they wouldn't be in a box on the counter. They'd be in a big <laughs> encrusted frame up in the wall. And then we had to go in and we had to look at the the all his all stars. So you know, it's just like I'm so proud of him. I can't sleep this week, so I don't know how Sean's mother is managing <laughs> because I, he'll tell you I'm I'm my heart's up to my mouth over the whole thing and just nerves, excited nerves. It's like it's like being a child again and you're anticipating Christmas, but there's a fear in case you wake up and you see Santa Claus downstairs. And that's exactly how I'm feeling. And I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm a silly I'm a silly fool, but I'm look. It's great times. We are loving these times in Limerick. On an unrelated note, uh, when you mentioned Sean Finn, I saw your dog inside there barking away with a with a Limerick jersey on him. Uh, what's his name? His name is Finn called after Sean a funny story about that um, we got him on uh, Christmas 2020 just after the COVID the, the Christmas All-Ireland and we were above and broke one day and we had him in a knapsack on my back like how quaint is that but anyway we met Sean Finn's mom and we said Siobhan we're after calling the dog after your son and she said, did you call him Shawnee? And we said, no, we called him Finn. <laughs> so his name is Finn and he's, 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 he's taken over the, the place in our affections house. because our children have grown up and they don't want <laughs> us anymore. So now we have the dog. So uh, everyone knows about Finn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you talk us through the front of the house? Basically, Trina's mum started the tradition back uh, in the '94 All Ireland of putting a man on a bike outside, and I think the sign said "On the road to Croker" or something along that line. And uh, people used to stop up and take photographs. So, unfortunately, Trina's mum passed away in 2017. And um, when the 2018 All Ireland came around, we said we'd like to keep going with the family tradition of uh, the, the man outside the gate. So we had the man outside the gate in a in a chair, and we put up a sign at the time, and put up a bit of bunting and it's kind of grown from there um, so yeah every year uh, luckily enough nearly every year we've been in an All-Ireland since so even the Christmas All-Ireland we'd green lights 
obviously in the wintertime up or outside the place. Um, so we've uh, we've done the same this year. But uh, we decided this year he needed a partner. So we um, our daughter was getting rid of her bed and we decided to do a, an adaption on the bed. We made it a bit smaller and we got him a, um, a female companion <laughs> inside in the bed and put up a sign in um, with obviously with the, the tree in a row and the front of the bed. And then on the back of the bed, we have a uh, make room in the bed for Liam. So we're hoping that um, come Sunday night, uh, we'll be able to fit another Liam McCarthy between the two in the bed outside. Um, anybody who picks up the Limerick leader this week will see on the, yes. the front of it, which is quite the honour on All-Ireland Week. Yeah. What's your favourite part of what's going on out the front? I think it's, first of all, it's the ability to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Because if we had been beaten by Galway in those dying seconds when my heart was coming up my throat well then it wouldn't have happened so I think the highlight for me is the, the thinking up of what slogans we're going to do and you don't you dare not think what slogan you're going to do until you're you know you know you're in an Ireland you know it's not it's not mentioned or it's not allowed to have to be discussed so I think it's the whole it's, it's this week I'm loving this week I'm loving the anticipation I work with Limerick City and County Council a lot of Clare people a lot of Tipperary people and the crack is mighty we're having a green day in the council on, on Friday in anticipation um, so I'm I'm loving everything about this week you know I'm loving hearing the cars beeping we, you know you're here, you're here at night and you hear cars pulling up outside and you just you look out and you oh, another car pulling up to take a picture it's great it's brilliant yeah. we're loving it I feel sorry for poor Shawnee because he's only living up in Brough and I'm sure he passes up and down the road and he's going oh Jesus Trina don't be pressurising me but sure look what can we do you know yeah. we're all behind him and the team yeah um, I just was checking the age there Sean Finn still only 26 this Limerick team are not going anywhere anytime soon are they no that's a pretty scary prospect and like you'd wonder like if they get over the line on uh, on the weekend especially without Keen Lynch those conversations around comparing them to the great Kilkenny team are going to go nowhere and like I, I'm not sure it's been spoken about that much I, I'm sure Kilkenny players aren't thinking about it but it is quite fitting that the Kilkenny the current Kilkenny team can actually damage that conversation somewhat by winning on Sunday even if Keen Lynch is missing and even if Limerick don't have their best team out I think that conversation goes away somewhat if they're not on three in a row so I think they have to get to three at least uh, consecutively before that conversation holds up. One of the other things is that last year's All Ireland final only had forty thousand people at it, so we're, we're, this is like post restrictions, and I think that gives extra motivation to Limerick too. That um, you know they they haven't experienced this in such a long time. Like even though they've been at the absolute peak of the game for quite a long time, that there's something special about this All Ireland final winning it in front of a full crowd for them. That just has to be an extra inspiration for them. Definitely. Like to, the summer of 2018 is the last thing you could compare to this. Like, I mean, that's France winning the World Cup. If you take your mind back to that summer, like that just feels like an absolute age ago. 2019 getting caught is obviously something that that's hurt them quite a lot. But I definitely feel all throughout the year there's been this anger about Limerick, even though they've got no right to be angry. They're all Ireland champions, but it's obviously their psychology. And I think part of that is the fact that they feel that the last couple of years uh, weren't quite perfect in terms of celebrating for obvious reasons um, I think then they joined the Kilkenny aspect as well this weekend they're going to be hugely motivated for a team who've got back-to-back All-Irelands already secured I think they're going to be as motivated a, a team as you're likely to see Yeah, 3 out of 4 is not bad but 4 out of 5 and 3 in a row is uh, very special particularly in front of that full crowd as I say Oh, and what are your plans for the rest of the day? Where are you off to next? Off to Kilkenny now after this so we've got a, a full day planned up there to chat to uh, a few of the fans, a few legends of the game. Uh, hopefully, call out to Kilkenny Elvis's house and uh, get a song off the man himself. Will he be serenading you tomorrow morning on OTBAM? This is only one way to find out. Right. Well, if I knew enough Elvis songs, we'd be able to uh, sign off with the cheesy <laughs> Elvis pun here. You must have Same. something now. I, I was. I was. Look, look. No, I actually genuinely don't. Um, yeah.
but he can do it. I mean, that's the whole point. It would be bad if an actual Elvis aficionado showed up to Kilkenny Elvis's door because he might just steal the limelight. So I'm not going to do that, Kilkenny Elvis, if you're watching. All right. Well, we'll see you tomorrow. Owen, thanks very much. We're going to hear more from Owen a little bit later on. He's been in conversation with uh, Tom Ryan, the former Limerick manager, not the director general of the GAA. At 7.57 this morning, I've got to tell you about our competition because if you're interested in hurling, then make sure you're staying tuned. Uh, this week, All-Ireland Hurling final week, obviously, we have four tickets to give away on the show. It's always thanks to Borg Gosh Energy. 2022 marks the sixth year of Borg Gosh Energy's sponsorship of the GA Hurling All-Ireland Senior Championship. And to celebrate every day this week, we're giving away €150 Euro one for all voucher. And more importantly, each winner will go into Friday's draw for an incredible grand prize of a €1,500 one for all voucher and four tickets to Sunday's All-Ireland Final between Limerick and Kilkenny. To enter, tune in to tonight's show. It is all with thanks to Borgosh Energy. You can search the hashtag Gift of the Gab for more. Up next, Alan Quinlan live from New Zealand reacting to the team news. First, here is Andy Farrell saying he hopes that Ireland have saved their best performance to last heading into the final test. Everyone realises the, the, the size of the task in hand, but there's a lot of excitement um, in, in, in being able to deal with that. Um, uh, I think the best part of, uh, of where we're at is that... Um, you know, we we know we can do we know we can do better. I think what we've what we've done pretty well over the last uh, period of time is is have a clear understanding of what our game is all about and and what we need to do to get better. And uh, it becomes more clear and obvious the more that we the more that we push on together. So, albeit we we um, had a, a decent result um, in the, in the last test, uh, hopefully our, our best is saved to last. Alan Quinlan, good morning to you. Good evening to you. Morning, Jar. How are you? Pretty good. Getting excited about this now. Um, and the All Ireland final this weekend. So it's going to be a fairly epic weekend of sports. We haven't even mentioned the uh, the Open yet. But um, the teams have been named as expected. Obviously, Gary Ringrose isn't there. So Bundyaki comes straight in and Keith Earls goes onto the bench. So, you know, it's as unchanged a team as it's possible to have. Whatever bumps and bruises they have are not significant enough for anybody to be out. So it's effectively, minus Ringrose, a full deck for Andy Farrell to deal with. So he must be pretty happy about that. Yeah, I think we probably wouldn't have expected it at the start. Um, the way that he's kind of selected, I think, the, the, the team. And uh, we were chatting last week about changes, um, guys getting games and stuff like that. But there's a serious decider on the line here now. So um, he'd gone for that continuity again and picking the strongest team possible. I think Gary Ringrose being out, obviously, as you say, is the only the only change there. And... Um, I suppose he's back in the team to go out and try and start the game well and continue it. And uh, I, I, I think Andy Farrell gets the mood of the week every time. Uh, you know, he's he's saying there about um, you know the reaction that you're going to expect from New Zealand. Um, we're all expecting it. Every newspaper you pick up here, it's uh, there's um, stories about the All Blacks and their needed to reaction, the pressure they're under, given out about the referee. Um, Loads of different things, uh, different players under pressure. It's everywhere. It's uh, it's really, really different, different sort of pressure this week. Um, players fighting for their futures, I suppose, and, and the coaching staff as well. So um, it's a strange situation for New Zealand because they don't find themselves in this position. I think back in 2009, Graham Henry was, when he took over, I think, team were going through a bad spell like this and uh, then he went on I think they won they lost th- three games in 32 games after that uh, going on to win the World Cup so um, it's not a usual thing to happen here but uh, 
I was chatting to someone I was in the swimming pool today and they were just uh, it's amazing the, the way everybody just it consumes them here the rugby and um, yeah so it's a great opportunity for Ireland I think the, you know obviously we can keep debating and talking over the psychological challenge and what Ireland are going to expect this week um, you know the if, if New Zealand win the game it's still a great tour for Ireland is that good enough for them though are they kind of allowing that to kind of seep, in, seep into their mentality. I don't think so. I was at the team announcements today and uh, I just think they're pretty focused. They look like a team that are, are ready for, a, a, as as Keen Lynch's uncle said there, a ferocious battle. Yeah, and that's that's what they need to do. And uh, like the, the all-black team named seems stronger than any of the teams that they've had so far because it does, yeah. Retallick and Whitelock uh, are partnered again which <clears throat> means Scott Barrett goes back to the, the back row and we did our analysis piece with Derek McNamara earlier in the week and he was making the point that uh, if anybody uh, from the second row is missing it weakens the team for there's a knock-on impact then because you obviously don't have Scott Barrett in the back row and so the the work rate comes down but also like um, Artie Savea did not really play most of the game he is a world-class player and so you add in Whitelock and Savea to the team and it's a completely different side from the team that took the field for the last 60 minutes last Saturday. Yeah, and uh, Lolala, the tight end, probably, um, he probably would have started the first test if he was available. Twinga Fassa, uh, Fassi um, played those first two tests at tight heads. Um Havili, David Havili would have started in the centre. I think uh, he's formed for the Crusaders and Super Rugby was outstanding this year, um, as was Will Jordan, I think. Somebody compared Will Jordan to me the, uh, on week one when I asked him how good he was and how much of a loss he was. And he said, look, he's he's a modern-day Christian Cullen, um, which is a fair compliment to get. So I think of the four that come in... Um, you know, obviously, White Clock is a huge boost to him. Um, just the way he runs their line out and his presence and and uh, experience. Um, it was amazing last week. He was out on the field after the game with the with the extra players who were doing fitness. The guys who only played short period of time and, and some of the other subs. And uh, Sam White Clock is in his suit and he's uh, he's given water to the players. Um, I just thought it was really interesting that. He uh, he was out there involved with them, trying to motivate motivate them, and uh, he's a really important leader in the team. So, obviously, with Scott Barrett coming into the back row, it gives them more of a dimension in the in the lineout as well. And I think they've got the balance share of their back row wrong. Um, and you know, a lot of rugby people here in New Zealand, I was talking to as well during the week. You know, effectively, Sam Kane, Sevilla, and Papalihi were three sevens and. You know, they're all excellent players in their own right. Um, I think Savea has taken the number eight role um, and done a brilliant job in the last couple of seasons. But, um, you know, concerns about the balance of their back row, I think, obviously, with Scott Barrett going back in there, um, he played exceptionally well in that first test. So, yeah, it looks like a very, very strong team on paper. So does that swing <clears throat> that swing things back in their favour when you're thinking about what's going to happen at the weekend or is the confidence that we got under their skin last week is that important? I think it's important. I think this is a different test and one that we've never um, it's new ground really you know because you know it's a long time since we've we've toured New Zealand and played these back-to-back games it's 10 years um, so it's a new experience for these 
players. Obviously, the experience of beating New Zealand um, the last couple of years, going right going back to Chicago, um, there's been a reaction every time, hasn't there? After afterwards, the games afterwards, um, and New Zealand have won those games and won them convincingly. I think you know it's it's pretty telling what's happened. So the expectation probably in the narrative is that same will happen again because that's what 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 history has shown us in the last couple of years. But that's new ground for this Irish team, and um, I I just think that they've proven that they're a very very good side when when they're focused, when they're physical, um, that they can hurt the opposition, they can hold on to the ball for a long long time, and. Um, we actually have a very, very good team if they're fit and well and they're actually playing well. Um, that's probably the key, the collective. Um, I think it, it baffles uh, New Zealand a little bit, particularly last week, just to start again. It, it, it had a sense that these guys are not going away. You know, They've given 40 minutes in the second half in Eden Park when we should have shaken them off. We should be scoring more tries. We should be winning this game by 40 points and they're still here banging away right up to the 80th minute. And then the start again in in, in uh, Dunedin. So, you know, I think we, we found a little bit here and some of the other media did as well. The, uh, the compliments week one, uh, f- quite flattering and not sure what way to take them. But I think they do respect Ireland and uh, deep down there's probably a little bit of a fear now. Um, but look... They're definitely going to come out. I spoke to Tyburn today and, uh, you know, I asked him about the fear and uh, the aggression and the anger that they're going to bring. And he said, look, we expect that. but uh, And we've got to match their physicality at least. Um, but we've got to be disciplined, I think, and controlled because <clears throat> you get too emotionally involved in, in, in the emotion of the occasion and you can lose focus. So I think Garden have got to just try and click themselves Um Make sure their their fundamentals and their basics are right, Joe, because um, the the breakdown, the, the scrum, the lineout, three areas that um, they lost control of in Eden Park. So it's a, it's a, it's a really really intriguing challenge. Um, probably if you asked most pundits and most people, they'd say, "Look, we fancy New Zealand to win this game." Um, but for me, the real intrigue, and I love the fact that Farrell said. This is where we want to be. This is the test we want. This is the challenge we want. We want them coming out firing um, and we want to see where we're at and can we handle that. And, you know, that's that's the intrigue of this. Um, the refereeing has obviously been under the microscope since basically the first five minutes of the first test and there's been wild inconsistencies. There's been a misunderstanding of the laws the game itself is actually chaos when you think of how many different uh, people and, and potential uh, law infringements there are in every single play. Uh, this weekend it's Wayne Barnes, is that right? Yeah, it is, yeah. So, as somebody, I think it was Roy O'Connor, pointed out uh, during the week, there was a urinal with a picture of Wayne Barnes' head on it somewhere in New Zealand uh, over the last couple of years. So, nobody really looking forward to having Wayne Barnes referee this weekend. But what should we expect from him? What are the things that we, we know that he likes to uh, look out for? And are we going to benefit or are we going to be hindered by his performance this weekend, do you think? I, I don't know. I think um, he, he is very particular and very good at the breakdown. I think um, I think uh, Leinster's recent kind of experience with Wayne Barnes probably isn't a positive one in, in uh, the, the Champions Cup final. Um, 
but I think he's an excellent referee. I think he's a really good communicator. Um, and I just think that he there's big pressure on him this week because I'm sure Ian Foster and his coaching staff would have sent in video clips of Ireland questioning certain things, um, looking for the infringements that they possibly made um, and trying to put a bit of pressure on. There's a lot of talk here about you know New Zealand not not getting decisions last week. I said this to you, I think, I think it was Monday, I can't remember, Ger, but I think New Zealand had no one but themselves to blame for around about the breakdown infringements, the things they were put, pulled for at, at the breakdown by Jakob Piper, because that would have been highlighted by Ireland um, the week before, and there was clear examples of New Zealand players coming into breakdowns, tackling Irish players onto the ground by the legs, going right past the breakdown you cannot clear past the breakdown and through to the other side and tackle a player who's standing on his feet and is not kind of part of that uh, trying to challenge for the ball if you know what I mean and there was three last week um, so they've got to figure that out themselves if they do the same this week and Wayne Barnes penalises them well um, it shows that they, they haven't learned from that but I think Wayne Barnes, uh, he's an excellent referee and um, I just think its its he has to be clear, calm and not be swayed by the crowd or the intensity of the game or the ferocity of it. He needs help from his, his assistants and the TMO as well. And look, you know, Ireland are a pretty disciplined team. I think, um, I think New Zealand had issues in that second obviously certain major issues big talking points last week and they've got to be just more disciplined because if you bring that ferocity and fire you've got to bring a control kind of fury as well and uh, and make sure you're within the boundaries and the laws but uh, I don't think Wayne Barnes to be swayed by it it's a big pressurised game um, it's going to be a packed house in, 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 uh, in Wellington and I just hope that he's calm and that you know, the Irish players are controlled as well because um, I think it could be pretty ferocious the, the, the intensity, some of the hits and um, discipline could be a big thing because, um, well, it always is, isn't it? But, I mean, you know, penalties, kickable penalties, stuff like that. Um, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a big job on his hand yeah. on Saturday night, but I think he's very capable of, of, of doing a good job. Who's going to win, Alan? I just said it, Jerry. I think... Um, you know, it's hard to kind of, it's hard to um, look past New Zealand given Whitelock is back. Um, I think Lolala, Tighthead, and uh, the two in the back line, Will Jordan and Havili. But this team, um, I just think what they did last week was was an incredibly impressive thing. It wasn't a fluke. I think, um, of course, they, they had opportunities when, when New Zealand were reduced to 13 to really kind of hammer it home and go 17 up and maybe they missed some chances. I think they're going to have to take their chances again this week and if they if they bring that continuity and, and pace and tempo to their game, they have a great chance. But ultimately, I think New Zealand probably will be a little bit strong for them. Enjoy it, and Alan. Maybe, maybe win it in the end. Yeah. Cheers, Joe. Best of luck. It's uh, Alan. You can hear his uh, co-com on Sky on Saturday morning. Game kicks off at five past eight. So make sure you have the alarm set for that one. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.
It's an All-Ireland Hurling final goalkeeping extravaganza for you now. We're going to speak with David Herity in a few minutes, but I'm delighted to say Limerick legend Joe Quaid is with us now. Joe, good morning to you. How are you getting on? Good morning, Joe. All uh, good. Uh, what's the level of excitement slash fear slash nerves like at the moment for you? Uh, look, it's grand at the moment. I suppose the fact that it's only a two-week build-up, um, it's, it's a bit strange uh, in comparison to other years. Um, but... What, what people forget, Joe, is that uh, I was part of that 45-year uh, heartbreak and wait for the North Island, so um, we won't take anyone for granted, believe me. I was saying as well a little bit earlier on that um, 40,000 last year at the All-Ireland Final, it was a little bit surreal. There was a good atmosphere, but the atmosphere will be absolutely feverish this week in comparison because it's going to be an outpouring. It's going to be a full stadium and there's so much on the line and the game wasn't close last year as well. So you knew by half time that it was a victory. It'll be a little bit different and perhaps a bit more meaningful even this year. Oh, believe me, Joe, every All-Ireland we win is meaningful and uh, I actually hope it turns out the exact same as last year. <laughs> <laughs> believe me. Um, I think once you hit the 50 mark, you become more cognizant of your heart health. And believe me, after being above there in 18 with the last couple of minutes, um, I would gladly take a repeat of last year's All-Ireland. Oh, I don't think it will, be, will happen, but... Uh, yeah, I would gladly take it. Fair enough. Um, one of the things we did want to talk to you specifically about was um, David Reedy's performance. You obviously know him very well. You managed him when he was um, hurling with Kildare. What what kind of a, a character is he that has allowed him to go from that to this, where he was a key man in an Ireland semi-final that was right in the balance? I don't think he, he's gone from that to this. He was always a talented hurler. I think he was just surplus to John Kiley's requirements in uh 2016 and to be fair when I was with Kildare we were allowed to bring in outside players I didn't want to I was I was against it but our panel was fairly thin on the ground that year um, and the players actually came to me and said can you strengthen up the panel a bit um, so I made inquiries they found out um, David and his brother Michael were living in Kildare um, so I rang him he said he was surplus to John Kiley's requirements and I said to him look why don't you come up I said uh, and play with us to keep your name out there and maybe you might get back into the, the Limerick set up the following year no he was he was phenomenal for us he he just fitted in to the squad unbelievably well and you know what if anything I suppose bringing a guy of that talent in it upped the level of performance from the, the home going to Kildare lads because I know they're, they're fierce, proud people up there and they didn't want the Limerick lad coming in a train and giving him a skin and so it kind of, it, it helped on all fronts um, but himself, uh, his brother Mikey and, and John Mulhall coming in as well. Like, I think it was just the quality of players that we got in. Usually it would be players that would be kind of past their sell-by date but to get a, a guy in that was just, was young and was just off a a Limerick senior panel um, was probably unusual and I'd say he's probably the only one ever to, to play with another county and, and come back and win an All-Ireland again. Well, I, that, like, I suppose when I was asking from that to this, like he, he had been deemed surplus so obviously something happened that year that got his love back and, and kept him in and kept him interested and, and kept him doing the strength and conditioning work that you need to do if you are, are going to be able to rejoin this Limerick panel in particular. Well, the one thing he did say when he was finished with us was that the training that we were doing above Kildare was practically the same as Limerick were doing. 
Um, so that kept him fit. And it's the same for all second-tier counties, really, that the effort they put in is no different to the top-tier counties. Um, regards training and pit sessions and stuff like that. But look, he's, he's very disciplined. I, I was absolutely thrilled for him the last day. Some days he comes on, he'll pitch him with a point, he might hit a wide or two with it. But by God, was the radar on last week. And, I, and I'd love to claim full responsibility for him practicing above in Hawkfield at Newbridge. Uh, that was the reason why. Why not, sure, Joe? We may as well. It's uh, it's all out of final build up. Anything goes until afterwards. Uh, the, the performance of the team this year has been good, but not great. And it looked like they were missing the influence of Keen Lynch. We're hearing rumours that perhaps he might be gone for the game at the weekend. They've managed this far without him, and yet it would have been amazing if they could have sprung him after not having him because of the hamstring injury up to the final because it, it would have been a couple of weeks before the semi-final and a couple of weeks into the final and who knows how much his eye would have been in so what's your instinct about where the team is without Keane at this weekend? Well they're in an all on a final without Keane um, himself and Peter Casey having them come on the last that was a huge boost but I suppose you go back it was David Reedy that stood up to the plate and got the three important scores no will he be a loss Jesus like a holler deer missing um, he's, he's got holler deer twice any team would struggle um, to cope with that but I think John Kiley and the lads have this kind of motto and there's nobody bigger than the team and if Keane can play I'm sure his influence uh, throughout the dressing room and out on the pitch will be felt he's just a super guy um, apart from being just one of the most gifted hollers that I've ever seen and worked with he's he's just capable of doing anything but he will bring something special to the day even if he can't play just by from his presence being around Okay, off the field you can definitely see how important it would be like, and what a character he is you know there's, there's a, an X factor to him um, on the field what difference would it make not being able to call on him do you think? Well look we, we've, we've tried a few centre forwards there one of the things was it would give Brian Cody a few headaches. Um, like, if you're trying sitting down and trying to plan for a final and you have someone like Keane Lynch on the pitch, at the moment he doesn't know whether he will or he won't have him. Who, who picks him up? Who doesn't pick him up? Will he stop? Won't he stop? Like, the other side of it is, um, I suppose, the rest of the forwards, maybe Gerard Hegarty and, and Tom Morrissey haven't hit the peaks that they have so far in, in the last few years. And I might possibly put that down to the fact that Keane Lynch isn't in there um, pulling the strings and orchestrating all the players. No, to be fair, young Cahill O'Neill was thrown in at the deep end against Waterford when Keane came off. Like, for a young fella to go in, you'd say, OK, shove him in wing forward, shove one of the more experienced guys in, in centre forward. But I remember that night inside Nimerick. He was looking for every puck out of Nicky Quaid. He wasn't afraid to shoot. Um, you know, you have the option of putting Kyle Hayes in there. He won an All-Ireland in 18 at centre-forward. That young holler the year there. So we're not short on, on replacements, but what we certainly don't have another team in the country um, has is, is a wizard like Keane Lynch that can just unlock teams in the space of a couple of players 
Yeah, so you, you, you've got to plan for something entirely different if you don't have him. The, the performance of Kyle Hayes uh, down the stretch in the semi-final as well was absolutely sensational and there's something magnificent about him in full flight. You know, we, we've seen him running onto the ball from deep. You know, you think of the Munster final last year against Tipperary in the second half, that incredible goal. But um, And then this year it looked like it was going to be a totally different year from in the full forward line. And then all of a sudden, as the season goes on, we're like actually uh, centre forward with him finding a little bit of space. It's a completely different challenge that uh, he faces or that he poses for Kilkenny. Um, how do you think it'll match up if, if he does drop deep and start running onto the ball with Richie Reid's desire to kind of hold centre? Well, that's the game plan they come up with and, and they want uh, one Kyle dropping deep. I can guarantee one thing, there won't, there won't be any ball driven straight down the middle down on top of Richie Reid. Um I suppose Limerick's game plan has been flood the middle area and work the ball through, deliver good quality ball into, into the inside forward line. Um, <clears throat> I suppose um, Galam was on fire the last day. I think four out of the other six forwards were, were taken off um, and we still were able to get over the line. Um, so I don't think anybody can really rest in their laurels. To me, there's a few lads that, that need to... Uh, step up their performance and will want to step up their performance they would have been disappointed um, there's probably a lot of the markers that John and the lads have laid down that weren't hit in the semi-final but I suppose look the last two All-Irelands Limerick have saved their best performance of the year for the finals um, which is great so you'll be hoping that they've timed their run right again everyone was giving out about them in the league but they're gone but John and the lads timed their, their run to championship perfectly. I, I, I can't see why we would doubt them timing their run to the, the All-Ireland final perfectly as well. Talk to me about Nicky's influence on the team. You, you know, you said there, for one thing for sure, he won't be banging ball down on, on Richie Reid. We know that for sure. Um, his evolution as a goalkeeper has been a, a key turning point in the team you know like if if you're going to play the game that Limerick want to play you need somebody who is intensely accurate and very focused on accuracy from the puck out and he is as good as there's ever been at that Absolutely yeah. I, I suppose you've two of the best goalkeepers ever to play the game out on show um, on Sunday you've on Murphy is probably the top shot stopper in the game um, and Nicky is probably the best just distributor of the ball in the game like how a goalkeeper in, in matches can find wing forwards uh, centre forwards midfielders in 20, 30, 40 yards of space is just phenomenal um, I, I don't know in my day it was get it as far away as possible uh, as you can goals, but he, he's just become the conductor of the orchestra and if you watch him when he's ready to take puck outs he'll never hit one unless there's a purpose to it or it's going to a specific place sometimes balls go out over the line from his puck out I wouldn't be too surprised if that was there was nothing on and he, they do that on purpose so that they're down the field and they get the reset um, and, and force the oppositions to make a make a play but uh, he's just been he's just been phenomenal it's actually sickening at times, John. He makes it look so bloody easy. Um, it, it's just come so naturally to him. He's, he's just such a laid-back character. And one thing 
as a goalkeeper, I suppose it, it, it's great to have as a, an inner self-confidence and he has to have that. He's just been phenomenal. Uh, I I suppose he hasn't really, in my opinion, and I'd be totally biased on this, but probably the individual accolades I think he deserved. Um, I think the game has changed down through the years and your, the main focus of the of the goalkeeper is not now shot stopping, which it was a my idea. No, it's it's the whole package, and I and I don't think um, does anybody um, challenge him on that front. To be honest, what is it about his puck out? So, uh, what what when he's in goals, and is it that there's so much practice done with the forwards who are making the runs? Uh, is it that he's actually able to spot the shape? of the run at just the right time to release so that he knows that by the time the ball lands the run that started as I was making my run as the goalkeeper to puck the ball out that these two things in parallel are going to release somebody into space how does that work? I presume it's just repetitive 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 of training um, I remember talking to one of the players last year after the final and I was just talking about Nicky Tim and he said if you point you point there he said for the ball he said you better be there because the ball will arrive um, you know so I presume it's it's a massive understanding between them um, but he's just so confident as well on shot puck outs like we've, we've seen I suppose nearly more blunders in goals this year than I've ever seen in a championship and it's something that you you won't you won't be able to see I think on Sunday with the, with the two best keepers in the country um, there but he's just so accurate it, and he doesn't do panic if you look back and you see your goalkeeper keeper panicking or if you see indecision um, I think I think he makes a call when he has the ball in his hand you watch him he's constantly looking up he'll wait he'll wait he'll wait if it's on quick he'll get it out quick and that's, that's something Kilkenny will really have to watch I think um, because while Mikey Butler will probably be put on Galan um, to be honest if you have five Mikey Butlers um, Martin and Galan and Limerick get a quick restart and get a long ball in in front of Galan Galan is unmarkable in my opinion you put proper ball in front of him he's unmarkable because he hits the ball off his uh, off his left off his right over his shoulder and even if you're touched tight up his back you can't get across to knock him down. So, to me, Nicky's quick restarts are nearly as important as as his long balls into space. Because if he gets the ball out in two or three seconds after uh, it going going wide or that, um, puts it into Barry Nash or one of the lads, Jeremy Burns, that can just ping ball, they'll take half to kick any team out of the equation, and then you're down on a on a one on one situation and honest I don't think there's anybody that can hold likes of him on his day no. and as was proven in the, in the Munster final if you do hold him to a couple of points you have the likes of Seamus Stradigan who was off the pace I suppose after a, a blistering start the last day um, he popped in with eight points the day of a Munster final so and then you have to look at you have Peter Casey who possibly will start or come off the bench who was in nine for men in a match in last year's All Ireland um, after only twenty minutes. With yeah, five minutes I, I just to last bit um, about Nicky. We had 
Tommy Walsh in the studio yesterday and in fairness in, in terms of giving credit he remembered the Ireland semi-final against Cork and I've, I've just looked up the video to make sure I get this correct it's 1.26 apiece there's 72 minutes on the clock four minutes of stoppage time being played and the ball falls to Seamus Harnley on the edge of the square and he has it thrown up to tap it into the back of the net to win the game for Cork to stop what was going on with Limerick to stop the notion of them being one of the greatest teams of all time to halt them in their tracks and out of nowhere Nicky comes flying and just knocks the ball away ball game goes to extra time Limerick win win the All-Ireland and this whole thing starts so I think you know I think everybody does understand that without him this wouldn't be this wouldn't exist Well that wasn't even to stop us in our tracks Joe, because we, we hadn't even got on the, on the railroad yet um, you know um, we were just making progress. I suppose we'd finished, I think, third in Munster that year, from my recollection. Um, we got to the semi-final, barely got over Kilkenny in the quarter-final. Um, to be honest, if I think it was Robbie O'Flynn hit the ball in, if Robbie O'Flynn had put the ball over the bar that year, um, I think we were beaten. Um, but that's Nicky's, I suppose, from years of playing out the field. Um, Nicky's a hurler. I wouldn't call him a, a goalkeeper or an outfield player. Nicky is just uh, just a supreme, sublime, silky holder um, with a great hand in him, great skill level, and and the greatest part of all is his decision making. Like he could have come out that day and thrown his body in front of it, which is probably what I would have done and got a belt of it. Um, but he kept his eye on the ball all the time. He was watching it. Um, no, Donald O'Grady from Cork I don't know whether it was his bitterness or what was coming through he said it wasn't a save it was a flick so if you're not tying goals and you prevent a goal to me it's a save um, do you know and, and that was really probably the pivotal moment in this Limerick people's journey it started there it, do you know it, it, Cork wasn't trying to knock us off the rails as I said we hadn't been even on the track but that got us on the track Ireland kept us going down the line and, and to be fair it's a train that uh, Barkley Kinney in 19 nobody has able to to derail it's an unstoppable juggernaut now and we'll see what happens at the weekend well, I, I, I disagree with that Joe uh, <laughs> there's been many a good train and many a good ship that has sank that said they were indestructible um, so look we'll we'll We'd be going up with with massive hope. Um, I know you. I was watching Heritage this morning, and uh, he's probably going to come on now and tell uh, Limerick are massive favourites and Kilkenny are the big underdogs and all that. So if you believe that, you'll believe anything. Um, Kilkenny never going to a match thinking they're underdogs. Um, no, the only worry I have, Jory, is I've always said I'm not a betting man, but I always said if I was. We're back against Kerry or in football or Kilkenny in Hurling in all islands. But I, um, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm wrong that one. Well, we'll see. Joe, great spending some time with you this morning. Thanks a million. That was lovely. Cheers. No problem. Thanks, Joe. It's uh, Joe Quay there giving us some thoughts. And, um, you know, he's right about... Uh, He's right about the goalkeepers this weekend. Two all-time greats up against each other. And we will be talking with Herdy in a few minutes' time as well. A reminder, OTVAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. As part of Owen's trip to Limerick ahead of this Sunday's All-Ireland final, he met up with the former Limerick player and manager. It's a 90s nostalgia 25 minutes here for you with um, Joe Quaid there. And Tom Ryan, his manager from the 90s. Enjoy this.
just some of the characters that you would have shared the sideline with, like the likes of Sherlock Nan, Liam Griffin, uh, I guess Eamon Cregan uh, at, at various points. Uh, was there a mutual respect between you and, and those guys or was there a, a, an actual rivalry that you had to have with your adversaries around that time? Well, I never, I never spoke to any of them. To be honest about it, uh, we had uh, we were coming from a, a very low base, and we were looked at we looked at ourselves as, as to try and rectify our own our own camp and get our own team going, and it, that occupied me so well that uh, so much that I wasn't that that chase the month for any interviews or any or any RT work or anything like that or media work in general. We were we were considered kind of only uh, you know. I mean, we had Craig had a huge. I mean, I hold with Craig and won a lot in '73. Hold with him for ten for ten years with Tim Rick. I know Craig well, and uh, with our profile, I mean, Griffin had the big businessman away. Uh, down away, so I never spoke to uh, Mr. Griffin. And Lutnan, sure, Lutnan was Lutnan like. I mean, Lutnan commanded the whole lot. He commanded the, uh, I mean, the media and the and the uh, and G official was. We were kind of only out there, I mean, peddling our way to sell it. Yeah. So we, we didn't Did you get on well with them at least? Well, I never had any contact with them as such. Right. You know what? I didn't. I never, we never had any had any, had any sideline issues anywhere. Right. You okay. know, yeah. we, we, our record on the sideline is when I was blamed for that I didn't run up and down the sideline and I didn't run around the field. <laughs> I, I was a man that took my place and uh, on where I was allocated. Uh, and I always feared on that if you had your Done like on the training pitch, well, then you must be this running out of the field and arguing with referees and all that. Never did that. That was, that was something we never got credit for. Didn't know we wanted credit, but, but at the time, everybody was you know up to quite recently. I mean, it's some of these individuals that you're talking about now worth been more time in the field than they did, like on the on the sideline, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I had a different, I, I had a, diff, a different type of a. Of a of a regime that we, that I that I operated and that we that we kept to, we didn't sh- show any em- emotion. That we didn't show any excitement in the sideline. We left that and we did all of work in four years of Limerick training. And I was a busy individual. I mean, I, I, I ran a big business in Limerick. I ran three farms, like, and I had. 150 minutes for the pay of a Friday with no government back up and no subsidy or no idea assistance. All top engineering and electrical, I mean, people. I never missed a training session with Limerick on a match. So that was my input into it. Like. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't I didn't concentrate much on the opposition at all. I, I, we, we tried to get ourselves out of the hole we were in, and we did it. And in spite of all the hassle and all the, and all the objections from our own, from our own, we had tremendous admiration. And, I, and at this stage, even I would say that the one man that I had great support from, and, and he often been maligned and spoken about, but the one man that gave me huge support whenever I wanted it was Frank Murphy Cork. Right. Why? Why? How? How does a Cork uh, official give a, a Limerick man support? How does that work? Yes. Well, whatever time, whenever we went to the game, and I had I played a lot of games because I played a lot of I tried a lot, lot of players. I played four intercounty matches to try one player alone, and all I had to do was ring Frank Murphy, and he would he would have a team ready for me. Let it be in Fermoy, Parky Keith, whatever, and they were there. And he treated us like royalty. Right. We had provided with all officials. Uh, he gave us 
plenty of food after each game and we had a great he had a great and we were actually knocking cock out of the championship at this stage like. yeah, yeah. but that is an input that's an insight into that man that you know really and truly I mean isn't too well known I'd say but I've, I've, I've always said that Did he ever try and get you over to take the, the Cork Earlers over? No that's an, that's an internal job with him that's their religion down there <laughs> and I think it's, it's, it's one major flaw yeah, in, yeah. in their armory that um, just just to go back a little bit to what you said there like you, you're kind of painting the picture there that, that you'd be somebody who's fairly anti-establishment like in terms of like RTE in terms of the GEA uh, like that Lachnan maybe would be somebody you would have seen on, on television a bit more maybe maybe Liam Griffin as well so with, with Griffin and Lachnan in particular do you, do you communicate with them at, at all after that period when, when you're not managing like if you met each other at the match at the weekend would you have a conversation? No I never met him well, you never, never met them full stop? I never met Lachnan I never met Griffin right. I told him I, uh, they were, they were darling by the RT, and RT had that leashes, and, and, and uh, that leaks, uh, not leaches, but that leaks. What and, do you mean by darling boys of RT specifically? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I always looked on, on RT as hostile. Because to Limerick. The, to Limerick, yes, uh, and the way I, can, I, I would judge that, and I would judge it, and very fairly, is that um, that you know fairness is great. I mean, different opinions are are, are very important, and uh, I think that uh, we never got a we never got a, a shakedown of a fair shakedown from our team. Well, what happened? Was there a particular incident or something? Well, there any incident that was that was there was was created by themselves. I mean, we never created any incident. To, I mean, we never had any. Had any like, uh, I mean, we never had any had any breakdown with them or any or any row them or anything like that. Every everything in my area of Limerick and in general, uh, as a player, as a manager, a coach, and I've I've, I've been I'm I'm around the block and I'm whatever I am, I can I I have good old judgment and I know what people think, and I know that uh, that. We never got a fair in the four years that I've been asked this question before. Oh no, like well, you know that, uh, and I be taking, I I be, might be tested anti this, and I'm not anti anything. I'm pro, I'm for progress, and for I'm for I, I, I'm for promotion, but fair, I'm for fairness as well. Mm-hmm. I I like to people to think outside, outside the box, especially our national broadcaster, especially people that have that have the actual that have the have the role to promote the, and are, are being well paid and well to, uh, are being well paid and will will look after to take to take the national take or holding people and treat them fairly across the board. You see but RT have their favourites, they have their favourites in every area. I never got an interview from RT. We were never invited into the studio for any discussion ever. Didn't that we wanted that, but we weren't asked anyway. So I mean, I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't cross the road for RT, you know, because they have, they are, all, all they have is the same. They have the same old story there every Sunday night there. Three weeks ago, this guy came out and he said that uh, he was under extra pressure. He didn't know he he didn't he, he didn't enjoy the show anymore. Well, I mean, it, it's not a, an enjoyment. It, it, it isn't a kind of a comedy program at all. It is, it is really a, a, a program, and if they want to analyze it and if they want to do it, like I mean. They should be doing it, but they should have different voices. There's no way to challenge their ideology, and they actually have in 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 their in their deliberations, both radio and television, they have total control, and they have big influences. And to me, those influences are not for the good of holding. 
they have promoted the actual this uh, kind of a bastardized game that that that, that was developed by a few by, by a few individuals, and like they actually then now they're back in action and they're caught in the month of final that being one of the greatest games of all time, you know. So like I mean, they can't make up their mind, and they actually have no they haven't a clue. But they, are, they have the same people in every night put, ch- chanting out the same r- Ramesh with no one to challenge him. And I think myself that in that in the promotion of the game like that, the GA have left them with too much power. Do you not think it's just a case of maybe different opinions on on the show? That that's why there's maybe that lack of consistency. That they're, they're not necessarily there to promote one ideology of the game. That there are different views of of how the game should be played tactically. Correct. Exactly on you have you hit it then one. There is no there is no alternative view or opinion or there is no challenge to the gurus that are there dressed up like Taylor Dummies every night quoting the same thing and drawing drawing maps and drawing arrows and drawing circles and all this rubbish. And like there's no one there to challenge them. And, and so they, therefore what's taken in that this is the way this is the, they've invented a new system like a new game that, and now the, the new game they have it, that, that they have it fall apart Do they not have Davy Fitz in there this season who would have like been at loggerheads with some people in RT in the past like they brought him in and like I guess could, could, does he not challenge it from within do you, do you think or do you think he's like falling in line as well or what's the Well Davy Fitz is one of the people that invented this caper yeah. himself Davy Fitz has his, own, has his own TV program has his own TV company doing his own thing. I mean, he's been promoting himself and, and fair play to him when he gets there, when he has the, when he has the platform. I don't blame David Fitz at all. Yeah. I mean, if he, he, David Fitz nearly, nearly now, he nearly said Matthew. You, you know, I mean, this is the thing about it. There's plenty of people there are alternative views, but they're not, they, they're, there's no way they, they, they can view those. That's interesting. So you obviously think that there's like um, this, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a comfort within certain establishments within the GEA uh, that don't like to hear dissenting views. Like, is that the view and the feeling you get when you're out in the street? Say, if you're in Limerick City now today, do you think that Tom Ryan is a well liked man? Do you think that, or do you think that that kind of view of you can't be saying that or you stepped out of line it actually prevails around the county for people who are old enough to remember the 90s? Like, you know? Well, um, I wouldn't be too worried about what people think of Tom Ryan. But I, I, the only way I can judge my position and is the reaction to my article, to my articles every Saturday in the mail. Yeah. You know, I have I have a huge rea- I get a huge reaction out of the country for that, from football counties, up at Fastlego, Mayo, down to Waterford, all over the country. Like that is it is it is the throat in the nose that people like what I say, people say there's no, it, it, it's coming from the heart, and we, but the, I have a huge reaction to that, like from the public, and that's, that's all, that's the way I can judge it. The media, and I mean all the media, I mean including your own, haven't had, uh, didn't have given an opportunity to me for to, for to give my own, for to give my views. This is the first time now that I've heard from, I mean from, from your, program like in a laugh long time and I must say that you should be doing your writing but at least like I mean it would be I can judge what happens and, I, and nothing goes over my head I'm watching everything and you know I'm saying like that uh, I'm not saying I'm right but, I'm, but, I, but I know that I represent the views of a lot of people and 
you know, and that view has not been heard in Crow Park. I was never asked to Crow Park to, for to join any committee, never in my life. So, I mean, I, I talk about being a leper, like in a, a leper colony. I mean, I don't know what I did to people. Maybe I, maybe people don't like me. I don't mind that. But at least, I mean, they might take my opinion on board. Or, or maybe at least let me, give me the opportunity to give my opinion, like. And, and because I, I could stand up to any, to any, I mean, debate. I'm not a, a, I'm not a shrinking violet, I can assure you that in any walk of life. I've been involved in politics all my life and uh, that's no that's a good learning. That's a good learning school. So like I mean what 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 really I I I'm not saying I'm right or anything like that. I'm not a dictator or anything like that. But I, I, I know that there is no challenge being allowed by the media but it doesn't suit it doesn't suit the status quo. So if RT phoned you up and said, get on the three-piece suit there for Sunday, come into the Sunday Game studio and, and analyse the All-Ireland, would, would you turn them down? No, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go because I've passed out that. I've passed out RT. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I was never a fan, uh, but we didn't get fair treatment of them after, so, of all their they're down the line, but we t- I told them this. I mean, I've, I've told yeah. that, you know, I've refused interviews with RT before. I mean, serious interviews, and uh, like okay, but they they don't they just they have the power to switch off the turn off the switch, and and then you don't get that reason. Is there one moment? Is there one moment, Tom, that, that kind of like still rankles with you a little bit? Like when you, when you when you talk about this, like is there a moment of analysis that that you come back to that that's, that that still winds you up or something? No, 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 it's not. It's it's it, it's general one. You know, okay. it's it, 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 it's policy. Like it, it's their policy from the world go. And I'm not saying that I'm that I should be this, or I should be that. No way. But I, but I, I know that that at the level I was at, and and the level that we had a team, we weren't treated fairly yeah. by RT, who are the who are the major promoters of the of the of the media aspect of things. They were never. I mean, I when I hear the players now being being not being silenced and being taught that you can't talk to the media, I mean, I actually promote the media. I want people to hear hear the players. Never, ever. We, are, I mean, talk about naming teams. Every team I ever, I ever, I ever picked, we named our team a Tuesday night. Yeah. Tuesday night before a, a Sunday game, and I, there was never. We never put out a dummy team. We never thought a, a lad he was playing and he wasn't playing. He was in the and he went straight into the into the media a Tuesday night. No hiding. No ducking or diving, no tricks, no gimmicks. Everything was above board, and uh, you know that's 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 the way I operate. Like I don't, I don't, in actual fact, think that there's any advantage in this nonsense that has been built up that you can prevent players now. Players that have been that have been murdered training forty hours a week, just for the sort of manager, they've had they've got too much power, and now they've a, they've a team behind them, maybe twenty five or thirty, maybe. You know, I mean, behind them, tell them what tell them what to do. I mean, the, the, the ministers above, above the cabinet haven't had many advisors as, as, as the managers have now. Until now, we're looking at, at Rubbish Holland. We had one game to revive the, the, I mean, the whole season and hopefully we'll have another one next Sunday, which I know I think we will. But, but that's, that's an awful lot of nonsense attached to the whole thing. But it's not being called out, you see. Because why? Fear. Fear. They're not talking. People won't even say, I mean, if you go to Limerick and you say we can't interview the players... I mean, why not? I mean, these players are... Where are the GPA and all this? So these players have been... They're not robots. They're the people that are performing. They're the people that have been paid. 
by and large then like I mean it's a good point like the media it's like the last week because we were having this conversation around the All-Ireland football semi-finals and Kerry and Dublin not doing any media before the semi-finals was uh, it was pretty extraordinary the game maybe not being promoted to the best of its ability it just on that point that you made there that's like the Munster Hurling final is the game that was kind of lauded as one that kind of saved the season are you a fan of modern hurling then by and large well you see I don't recognize the term modern hurling Larry McCarthy is president of the GA and he made a big speech about Crop Park after the, the one of the one of the finals in the in the club competition, I think for the junior final or the intermediate final, he said we had a great game of traditional hurling. Mm. No, I mean I didn't know that we had that we, that we had that we had two games, that we had traditional hurling and we had modern hurling. I taught the hurling, I taught hurling with Pedro Hurling Ball and the field was the same and uh, although they were talking about not to put next to lines into the field, all right, like that one recently. But um, I, and I wrote about that, I said, you, you know, this is, this is, you see, this is the game, you see, these, all these gimmicks, like they were, they were, they were brought in, you see, with the, playing the sweeper and playing the, through the lines and all this nonsense, all, all that and you see, all this thing has been brought in by clever people. No, let's that have been highly paid, and and I have no, I have no problem with innovation whatsoever. None, what, never. But the point about it is, when it becomes the establishment, then I have a query in it. Then I have a question asking, and I ask the questions, but no one wants to hear them. No one wants that. Once the people that have invented this game have have this this. The, all these, what you call, I think one time, Cyril Fell said that David Fitz had five different uh, systems. Well, I, well the, the, the way he left Wexford, that they didn't know what system they were playing, and, and, and still don't. You know, so like, I mean, what for the, you can say the same thing. I mean, hurling is hurling. Is, is hurling. And I, let's hope that we see that next time. And I think we will. Mm. I think we will now. I, I'm very, I'm I'm looking forward to this because as we we saw them the final, man to man, physicality, like I mean you you take on and you 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 win your own ball. There's, there's nothing complicated about it. But you see, what happened was a few bright boys. I have no problem as I said with innovation at all on whatsoever. And it, if it works, then you see we've all to get it in. No, no one will say. So we can contract that nobody. You know, I mean, today we say, no, you have to join the queue, and if we don't, then you consider the dinosaur. Mm. You have the system, you see. And if you have the system, then people don't want you. I mean, counties like a queue up now for David Fitz and all that, although the, the few of them have, 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 have changed their mind about him recently. But I mean, I have great admiration for David. He's a wonderful, great businessman, and, and, and a great character, and, and, a good, and a good coach as well. I have no problem, however, I admire him. I like him. And I know him well, and I, w- and I wish him well. But, I mean, David, like, I mean, David, he, uh, about this, you see, he has made a, a business out of this. And fair play to him, you know. Tom Ryan there in conversation with our own Owen Sheehan. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's um, some in- interesting insights into uh, the workings of Tom and um, his views on hurling. Uh, right, news breaking this morning. Colin Bonner has been relieved of his position as the manager of the Tipperary Hurlers. Um, to talk about the Kilkenny side of the All-Ireland Final, uh, David Herity joins us now. David, good morning to you. How are you? Great. And yourself, Ger? How yeah, are you? good. That news just breaking this morning about Colin Bonner. Um, it's not really that much of a surprise in the end, is it? I think it has to be. No matter what, like if you... If a manager's only getting one year at the moment, obviously we're talking about Brian in 24, 
years there and obviously John Kiley and he's five years Jesus one year as a manager that's fairly brave county board to do that given the time especially with the amount of injuries Tipperary had this year I, I I don't know now obviously Tommy Dunn leaving yesterday Declan Curran has just completely pulled the rug on that whole uh, management there once that happens then yeah it, it's that's curtains pretty much for the manager I'm just, I still am very surprised considering the amount of injuries they had this year they all went with Colin Bonner they, they interviewed last year well I didn't notice Willie come back into the reckoning uh, job as well so obviously put all their eggs in Colin Bonner they went after Colin Bonner last year and then to, to relieve him after a year is uh, it's tough going on him it definitely is tough going on him and, and maybe maybe actually you're right I just it, it felt like it had kind of petered out at the end and that um, I don't know maybe we'll see what happens um, plenty of plenty of time in the off season to talk about that from the Kilkenny side of things David we talked to you two weeks ago in the intervening period how do you feel that the Kilkenny side matches up with this Limerick team at the moment Physically, if you're if you're going down tactically and physically, they're probably the two areas that you would say. You know, if we were talking two weeks ago, I, I felt that we were far superior. Even before, say the Clare game. Now, having said that, physically, again, you know, you saw the the Munster final after the Munster final, the lads celebrating and they all have their tops off and they look like the South African team from the world before the World Cup four years ago. They're absolute beasts of men. The only thing is the Kilkenny team. A different type of physicality. They wouldn't be hitting probably the same in weights, but there's the the toughness that's borne out in fifteen v fifteen games in Kilkenny is different. Like the, the ball is thrown in, the whistle the whistle is swallowed, and you just get on with it. And that level of of toughness against the Limerick physicality, I think that's what makes it as exciting as it is on Sunday. I think Kilkenny will be well able to match that physicality. They did it in two thousand nineteen. I think every team, if you ask anyone in the county uh, or in the country, who can match them? I think a lot of people say Galway because maybe of the, their physical size. If you look at TJ Reid, even just say, if you look back to Mikey Butler there, uh, someone who's very small in stature, a bit like a Tommy Welch when he was back playing. Like These lads are as tough as nails. Richie Owen all out there, but um, you know who could see game time on Sunday. Physically, they're they're extremely imposing lads. So I think Kenny will be able to match up for that. The thing tactically, Kenny have finally embraced, and Brian has as well, the short game and the long game. Now the only big thing, you know, and that's why Clare couldn't handle Kenny in the semi final. The only, I suppose, small bit of a worry is the fact that against Wexford, when. I suppose the, the shit was hitting and Kenny went back to the long ball against Galway up in Salt Hill Kenny went back to the long ball if they fight they, they had they were always had clear at their arm's length so they were able to play they were able to match they were able to hit the ball hit the long ball now on Sunday if Limerick get on top are they going to root one again the 2019 against Tipperary when they keep even though Tipperary had called back their spare are they going to do that or are they have they finally evolved now into a team that's able to play to a system and keep it going for the 75-odd minutes? Tommy Walsh called it heads-up hurling. That's what they're doing now as opposed to it just being playing through the lines or just the long ball. It's like whatever the right option is, take the right option. Don't just do something that's pre-programmed. Has it literally happened this year? Is that just is that what's happened that like a team can get this into them? Potentially because at club level, many of them are doing this and the skill set of the Kilkenny players is so high that it is possible that you don't need five or six years of conditioning to go, right, now we're a running team, now we're a short short passing team. It's like, actually, you know, we can do a little bit of everything here if we're just a bit clever about it. 
Yeah, no, it's it's not a new thing. In 2014, we lost to Dublin in a league matchup in Parnell Park. Um, and we were brought in then to a room. We were training in Carlo IT at the time. And it was this was kind of introduced that this is what we would do. Because I remember after in that in that Dublin match, I caught a ball and drove it like you do every single other time. And James McGarry had said to me, no, you should have picked out someone. And that was that to me was the start of it then. Because Clare had done it in 2013, they saw that probably keep onto the ball a little bit more rather than just driving the ball. This is what should come in. Now, I don't know where it... This is the thing that, like, obviously Kenny will do that for a certain length of time, but then, like I said, when they go behind, it's route one stuff, and that's it. And it's uh, it goes back to that. Now, they've consistently are doing it, but then again, you have to have the... You know, I think Kenny now know that they have to do it. They don't have those tall fours like they used to have. Even, you know, it's a Richie Power with sublime skill will catch it anywhere. Or the likes of, you know, Gert or Eddie Brennan or Jesus Henry, the, the, the names are endless there. They have to, they now have to adapt. The likes of Owen Cody is not as big as, as some of these lads. Adrian Mullen is brilliant at finding little pockets of space. I actually think the new lads that have come through, the Owen Cody's, Adrian Mullen's there. Obviously, Park Welch back up in the fours there as well. They're just super intelligent lads that are able to find pockets of space that they're able to get their heads up and they um, again then you have a look at the backs you have, you have Paddy Deegan you Lawler they're baiting out past their men they're looking Mikey Carey phenomenal fitness levels again that he's able to go give a ball and support again so did Kenny have adapted because of the players now that are now available with the age group that they have they've uh, the players have been able to do it as well but you also look you change up again the management team as well you have Connor Phelan in there who has, has a huge amount of experience, obviously, between WIT and the different teams that he's been with, Mount Leinster Rangers the last few years. He's in there coaching them as well. So he'll have brought his own different style, I'm sure. He's, you know, Brian has obviously asked him in, so he'll have to embrace what Connor's ideas are as well in training. Uh, what, what, what do you think is going to happen when you've been like thinking about this game for the last couple of weeks? Uh, how, how does it unfold in your head? Kenny have to get off to a good start. I know even Limerick got off to a smashing start there six one. They have to keep Limerick at arm's length, like they did in two thousand nineteen when they were one three to one eight to, to three points up. They have to keep them away. If Limerick, I feel that if Limerick are six points up at half time, this is game over. Then the panic sets in and it's back to the route one hurl, and then we might see that. I think they have to stay on top. They have to get two goals up like they did against Clare. Again, scored 16 goals this year. Limerick have only scored seven. I, I just don't think it's in Limerick's capacity. I, I, the muscle memory, I don't think Limerick have it. I think the Kenny lads can get goals. Limerick on Owen Murphy, I just don't see it happening. If they do, it came over for Kenny. Uh, they can't be a straight point shooter. I think the Kenny just have to physically match them. I think they have to push up and grow out Hegarty and Morrissey. I think Richie Reid is going to sit back on the edge of the D and try and cut out that ball to, to Flanagan and to... Uh, to Galan and to Casey. Now, if he sits back, that's why it's vital if Keane Lynch is not playing. If he's not playing, that mean and Kyle Hayes is there, then Conor Brown can kind of split that role between Richie. Whereas if Keane Lynch is playing, well, then they need a full-time man marker on him. Um, he'll just do too much damage. Adrian Munn will come out to midfield. Will O'Donnell, he'll pick up that area. I don't think he's going to pick up Will O'Donnell. He's just going to pick up that area. I think TJ Reid is going to come out and it's going to be a kind of a, a pass over there between Barry Nash and Morrissey. Who's going to take him up? But I, I, I think they, I, I would like to see them pushing up on that half-back line like they did in 2019. I'd like them to push up and give them absolutely no space there whatsoever. I think we knew of someone like Owen Murphy who plays naturally outfield. He's a natural sweeper there. I don't think you need Richie Reid sitting back, but just the type of player that Richie Reid is and the possessions that he was on the last day, 24, I don't think Kenny will change their game plan starting off. I think he'll sit back. I said, if Keane Lynch is playing, I think the, I think the game... 
uh, it, it really hangs on whether he is playing or not. I, I like that's the thing. Uh, talking to some Limerick supporters this week, they were like, "Ah, it's grand. We, we've reached this final essentially without him this year." But it is different. Uh, and a fully fit Keane Lynch. I don't know how fully fit he would have been anyway. But any anyway fit and getting into the game and playing his way into the game over forty five, fifty minutes would have been a massive boost to Limerick who let's face it aren't at their imperious best at the moment you know if you think back to last year in the second half of the Munster final against Tipperary an all time great display maybe they were allowed to do that the first half of the All-Ireland final last year an all time great display they haven't hit those heights just yet No I, I, I think the Limerick team is very much like the Kenny team of 0-8 0-9 8 a bit like last year with Limerick they demolished everyone they have all nearly a team of all-stars there this year they're just get doing enough and and I see the match being like a, a cracker a bit like 0-9 there where you know Tip had their chances PJ Ryan was a man of the match they just didn't take them and Kilkenny yeah, pipped them on the, the home straight I can see it as close a contest as that um, they're not they're, I, you know obviously I, I think the two pivotal players for Limerick are Declan Hannon and Keane Lynch in 2019, Declan Hannon went, Hannon went off with concussion. A lot of people kind of forget that, that. That's the reason why I think Limerick lost that day, the fact that he was knocked out of the equation. He's the heartbeat, but Keane Lynch is the brains up there in front, and they haven't been motoring as well as they are because he brings in everyone else. He's not just scoring himself. He's setting up an abundance of scores then for runners off. You have Barry Nash coming out, Keane Lynch is there, a quick ball to him. He's laying it off then to Kyle Hayes or Carol Hegarty or whoever it is, Donahue there, midfield, or laying that ball in then to Galan. He's the kind of stopping point there before in that whole area. If he's missing, it's it's massive for um, it's massive for uh, Kilkenny. Um, the evolution of the style of play and the development of those young players that we've talked about is um, it's a very compelling argument that this is actually a new Kilkenny team that we're seeing and that actually this is a team who is developing and evolving into a team that over the next couple of years should be able to go toe-to-toe with this Limerick team. Is that what we're witnessing here? Is this the the birth of a, a truly great rivalry? I think it can. I, I think that TJ, TJ Reid is going to stay on for another year. I, I think it'd be foolish not to. He's only 29 points off Pat Horgan there when it comes to the scoring records. And I think he's only two off Brick Welsh. So he, I think TJ will stay on next year. I think he's key to everything. The thing what people don't realise about TJ is he, he's not like any other player I've ever seen or ever played with or trained with ever in my life. There's no other person that would be out on a pitch before a training session commentating himself hitting balls over the bar like you know Dureed has the ball and TJ Reid sticks it over the bar and everyone's kind of looking at him and just laughing but that's just the way he is or in a member in in 11 before semi-final um, we, I was in the gym you just you know a few of us went to the gym the day before and you might do a bit of stretching but TJ's picking up a weight over there he's doing a few chin-ups there He's just a little pick and mix of absolutely everything. You could do a few squats. And I remember just saying to him, kind of going, would you not want to be taking it easy the match tomorrow, TJ? And he goes, you know, TJ, man the match tomorrow. And that was it. That that was in his head. That that's the way he believes. He doesn't get nervous. He actually ended up getting getting a yellow card and taken off at half time. But that wouldn't have played <laughs> the likes of TJ. He he just he, he's he it's like he lasts what every other player, what every other normal player would have of of uh, that nervousness. But he steps up to the free. There's a reason why he's got 19 out of the last 20 frees. Like at the end of the game, if you had any person in the history of the game that could step up to 21, it would be TJ. I just don't think he gets nerves. It's like it, he, he still plays like a child out on the pitch. Even to see, they see him celebrating after the semi-final. He's there fist pumping to himself for about a minute after the game and the camera was on him. No one else around, but just happy out. And I, I think even the fact that his brother, I know it did hurt him, the fact that he had two... Uh, 
he had you know, he's been captain twice and hasn't got a chance to go up in the Lee McCarthy, uh, lift the Lee McCarthy. The fact that his brother is there, um, he has a chance. I, I think he's going to be. I think he's pivotal to the whole thing. I think he's pivotal to Kenny over that they, that Brian Cody. No matter what happens at the end of this year, that he keeps on to TJ, make sure that he's nailed down TJ for for next year. Yeah, along with the likes of Owen Murphy. We were speculating in the office. Like, is this the time if if they win? Is this the time when Cody goes? I was like, I don't think so. I can't imagine him walking away from a winning team. Like, you no. know, because it's a and winning team. There's a good chance they might win again. And that's it. Uh, he said to us, getting back in the dressing room, he, he couldn't get over, and he mentioned Willie O'Connor. He goes, I, I don't get people, players, who uh, they win and they walk away. Why would you walk away? He, he kind of nearly, you know, Willie O'Connor was captain in, in uh, 2000 and then stepped away from the panel. And uh, I don't know, does he see it as... Jesus, uh, I should have mentioned Willie O'Connor um, with the next word I'm going to say, but like, as long as you see it as the coward's way of kind of walking off like into the kind of sunset, like why not? Why not stay around and back to right to the end until you can't give any more in the jersey? That's the way he is, and I, and I expect that he wouldn't walk away. I think the funny thing is everyone now wants to stay on because obviously Henry was the most natural successor to him, but now Henry's up in Galway. Henry's not going to leave after a year, so people probably want him around for the next three years, or otherwise what happens? Who fills in there for the next three years? Is it, is it Derek Ling? If it, if it is Derek Ling there and he's around for the next two or three years, that means you're kicking Shefflin away from the job for the next three years. So it's, uh, I think it's, uh, like I said, the last time I was on with you, it's gone full circle. I think people want him to stay on now. It all depends. I, I really do think that the only the only way people get pissed off in the final is the fact that if we go back to the usual long ball, if we start playing the hurling that we did against Clare all the way through and stay true to this goal, varying it up between short ball and long ball and try and take this on, go toe-to-toe with Limerick um, the way that they can, I think people will be happy enough uh, and Brian will be happy enough to stay on. There's no way he's walking away from this. To go back to what? You know, he had his birthday there the other day. He's 68 years young at this stage, but I don't see why he would even contemplate. He's retired from teaching. He's every day, all day, to concentrate on hurling. There's no way he's going to step away with a chance of a team winning in Ireland next year. He's, geez, I think this could give him a whole new lease of life. He could be around for the next decade after this. Yeah, if they win, for sure. Can I um, just, the, the, the start of the second half between Limerick and Galway, a ball gets rained down in on the Limerick full back line. It's caught and it's flashed into the back of the net. And it's game on, right? And the stadium erupts and everybody's like, ooh, something's on here. And ultimately, Galway don't see it out. Fair enough. Uh, Limerick get a few points from the bench and that's enough to see them through. But for the rest of that match, more long balls rained in on the full back line and actually Limerick came out with them. So if you're analysing that as a manager do you think well that worked once and that was enough and that got everybody up and that gave us a swing and it gave us confidence or do you think actually on balance we got three points off that from that goal but actually there are five other balls that go in and for the last 25 minutes it's kind of a bit soul destroying that the Limerick full back line are coming out with it what, how do you coldly analyse what Galway did with the long ball to the Limerick full back line in that second half to vary it up it's you have to vary it up the way things are going in the second half. You have to read it as a manager. If you're getting a few long balls in, and a bit like Kenny did hit long balls in against Clare and they got the Mossy Cohn goal off it in the in the first half, you hit it in. But then if you see, okay, they're mopping up the ball, you need to play it through the lines again. You need to go back to that. You need to have a team that's doing this so often that, like, you know, it's, it's Henry's first year with Galway. 
Um, there is a small bit of panic though at the end of the matches you see it as well that, that teams go two points behind and next thing they go for a goal and you're literally pulling your hair out on the side and going Jesus keep the keep the tipping over there's still you know, there's still another five minutes Like obviously teams will have no, noticed now at this stage that every game is not 70 minutes anymore it's 75, 76 minutes so when you see 69 there is a time when players tend to kind of panic because the game is nearly over and they start going for goals here let's lob the ball in but if that's that can head a bit of experience this is what you know you can't beat the experience that Limerick have that they've won so much they're 15 games unbeaten now at the moment uh, I just think they've enough to see it out I just think I think being up by a point or two against the Kenny team coming down the home straight though I think that's different though I, I just think Kenny would love that he saw it again against Cork there last year like three points is not enough even if you're in the 76 minute Adrian Money gets a goal they need to be far enough out. But again, you have to get onto the team. The other reason, actually, I think why Limerick mightn't be as impressive this year, they're still a phenomenal team. And, and chances are, if they win on Sunday, they go down as one of the, the greatest teams, one of the greats up there with the three in a row teams and four in a rows. But I don't think the water break has hampered them usually this year, where Canark is now coming on every 17 and a half minutes and showing them, here's the new, here's the new tactics. Here, this is what we're doing for the next 17 minutes there. And then we have him at halftime. He's not getting a chance to talk to him at three times in a game which is phenomenal when you have the brains that he has and the players that have that, that they're together now five years. It's amazing. But the fact that that's now taken out and they've only one chance to talk to him at half time, I think that's another reason why they're just not dominating as much as they have other years. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, are you talking yourself into a Kilkenny win? Is that what you're, you feel like you're doing or is that cold rational analysis going, this is very close to a 50-50 game and if the breaks go Kilkenny's way, they're going to win? Yeah, no, it is. It, 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 I do think it is a 50-50 game. I think... Uh, I think when you have when you have a player like TJ Reid, like I said, that he can do absolutely anything on the, on a day, and he'll fully believe that he can win uh, win the win the game. When you have Owen Murphy and goal, that is, you know, he pulls off the saves that he does and controls the backs the way he does. You know, you need you need an exceptional goalie, exceptional free taker. Kenny have that. They also have that bit of toughness. They do not fear Limerick. They, you know, they they would have beaten the minor in fourteen. You know, in 17, they lost them under 20, but then they beat him in 17. Limerick won in 18. Kikenny won in 19. You know, there's, there's, there's a rivalry there with this bunch of players there on both sets. And Kikenny have matched them every single time. There's nothing between the teams. Even when they bet them in 18, it was only by a, uh, a point or two in the end. And Kikenny were still a little bit bitter that they could have got a few frees that day uh, near the end of the game. So yeah, I, I would I would never ever ever back against the Kilkenny team. Not a chance in hell. And I, I I think if they get those couple of goals on Sunday, I think it can be their day. Yeah. Enjoy the game, David. Thanks, William, for joining us this morning. Cheers. Thanks, Ger. It's great stuff as ever from uh, David Herity, of course, uh, former Kilkenny goalkeeper, Kildare manager, and. Um, Always oh, just great to listen to him. Uh, reminder, OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Loads of comments coming through. Joe LK20 says, Cody can change tactics in-game. That's the key to Kilkenny's success. Patrick Carter says, Kilkenny and Limerick haven't met in Championship Hurling since the game in 2019, so I'm really excited to see how this game pans out. And he says he also agrees with David that there's a lot of similarity between Limerick now and the Kilkenny team back in 06 to 09. I think this could be Cody's final year, he says, so I wouldn't mind seeing him win one more and retire on top. I just think... Um, you know that's incredible insight from the dressing room it's like why are lads why are lads retiring well, after you've won it doesn't make any sense here's what's on OTB Sports Radio for you today at 1 o'clock OTB Gold is Lance Armstrong leaders questions from 3 our retro panel is Sport and the 1916 Rising at 4 o'clock 
and OTB Gold at 6 is Barry Ryan The Ascent and then Nathan Murphy's in the big chair from 7 o'clock tonight you can follow off the ball across all of our social channels you really should subscribe to our YouTube channel and actually uh, you can listen to OTB Sports Radio if you want to listen to this show as a radio show then you can get it on the OTB Sports app OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar Right, 19 minutes past nine this morning, this Thursday morning. We've talked about the All-Ireland Hurling Final. We haven't talked that much about the Open. We'll obviously do a lot more about that on the show tonight with Nathan and, of course, on tomorrow's show. Uh, but we're going back to Ireland against New Zealand now, and I'm delighted to say Rory Keane, uh, Irish male rugby correspondent, is with us. Rory, good morning to you. How are you getting on? I'm very good. Thank you, sir. Um, the lads there are having a debate about how... Uh, a series win would look on Sexton's CV. It's right up there. The point is that, like, whatever whatever side of that debate you're on, you can't deny that um, pulling this off would be a seismic moment for Irish rugby. And all of the pre-tests um, and pre-tour conversation about blooding players has kind of taken a backseat because the series has taken on a life of its own, which is what you want. You want you want it to have some grander meaning. And um, as a result, we're now look at this going we might be able to win this thing Uh, you've been looking at some of the key battles that might swing it either way and having before we get into the the nuances of the the five key battles having looked at those key battles what's your instinct about what's going to happen this weekend Rory? Yeah I've been thinking a lot about it um, like they're kind of in bonus territory Ireland really because like they they have to win the bag historic lack win on Iwi soil and go into a series I mean no, it's two-two in the series. Even if they lost at the weekend, if you'd asked Farrell at the start before the series, if you asked him in Abbottstown when he had the pre-training camp last month, if he said you'd leave New Zealand three-two in arrears, but you'd have Aiden win, you'd have a couple of young lads, you'd have a couple of bolters putting their hands up, guys like Frawley and Treadwell. I think, I think he would have bitten your hand off. So, I'd imagine their camp is fierce for that. And you look at the psychological element. What's happening with New Zealand? The pressure they're under now. The pressure Foster's under. The pressure Kane's under. You know, first ever win, first ever lost to Ireland at home soil. I was reading their worst defeat, worst home defeat in twenty nine years. Uh, first time they will. Like, but then conversely, they're going to come out firing. They've picked probably the most settled, most balanced team of the series. You know, I just think back to Ireland beating them and the backlash that came. You think back to 2016, Soldier Field, what happened in Dublin two weeks later. You think back to the 2019 World Cup. It's just going to be a massive reaction from them, to just emotionally, physically, tactically. So Which, it's hard when I'm in Ireland. Ireland are going to go up a level, but it was either going to go up a couple of gears as well. We're just having a little trouble with your line there. There's just a few grand Rory. So we, we'll call you right back. Um, if anybody missed it, the team was named overnight and uh, the Ireland team is largely as expected. Bundiaki comes in and will start with uh, 12 on his back and as a result of that, Keith Earls is on the bench. That's obviously all because Gary Ringrose is out having been concussed in the previous game. But the settled team that Rory is talking about is Brody Retallick and... Samuel Whitelock at four and five which means that Scott Barrett goes back to six and the accusation of the imbalanced back row that they picked last week well that's all finished now because they have Scott Barrett Sam Kane and Artie Savea obviously I, I talked about this a little bit earlier on but we did the analysis piece with Derek McNamara and he was pointing out that in the first game Ritalik and Whitelock uh, were 
two of the highest achievers as was Artie Savea and then all of a sudden that was unavailable to them uh, after the cards and the uh, concussion in the previous game or the head injury so uh, it's it's a very different New Zealand team that will take the field this weekend a different New Zealand pack and if they all play the full 80 minutes then things should change as well and then the other thing of course that's happened is that uh, Will Jordan has come into the team um, as well as David Havili I don't, I don't know that much about David Havili but um, earlier on Alan Quinlan was telling us that uh, his form in Super Rugby has been sensational but we all saw Will Jordan in Dublin and that guy is pretty good at rugby uh, uh, the Christian Cullen comparison a little bit earlier on was made so it's a much better New Zealand team and to go back again to the first piece that we did in this series with Gregor Paul he was like oh traditionally the third game is when you'll see New Zealand peak in a three test series so notwithstanding that they are the favourites for it and uh, there will be a, a great opportunity for Ireland to make rugby history but it, they will definitely um, find themselves up against it uh, we're talking about Rory Keane of the Irish Mail I think Rory is back on the line and can hear us yeah Rory you can hear us alright yeah, I can hear you fine, sure. Yeah, we can hear you fine too now. Yeah, right. um, so look, you're, you were saying it, it's um, it's uh, it's bonus territory. I, I actually think, in a weird way, that the character of this coaching ticket is such that um, they're not looking at qualifying for a World Cup semi-final anymore. They want to make a final. That They've stopped having those kind of, it'll be good if we can do this thing. I think Sexton, similarly, this week, wouldn't bite your hand off now for anything other than a victory this weekend. Yeah, and it's interesting you said that I, I like I'm not down as even unfortunately, but the thing I, t- I found really interesting after the the win in Dunedin last weekend was after the final whistle was just how relaxed everyone seemed. There didn't seem to be any like there was no hooping and hollering, there was no there was no lack of honour, there was no kind of high fives. It was all very kind of calm and measured. It was as if right job's only half done. Like when you compare it to the first win in Soldier Field and the the elation there and the the, the celebration it was like giant stadium again almost and yeah exactly but yeah it does feel like they sat down in a meeting last month and on the board they had series victory so yeah I mean and geez, they're, they're in a great position to do it Let's talk about those um, five key matchups that are going to define the final test then so you've got James Ryan versus Sam Whitelock first um, after after the first test and James Ryan's performance he would have been like oh he really needs to make a bit of a comeback here and lo and behold second test he was right on it Absolutely that, that was I think that was his strongest performance in a long time like I'd be kind of forget about Ryan they keep there's so much pressure being heaped on him like he basically burst onto the scene in 2018 and he was almost like he was pre-packaged to give this world-class player was straight out the gate he was delivering Phenomenal performances, man in the match, week in, week out. Like he's, he handed these stat sheets after games and he'd be out tackling, you know, carrying most of the back row forwards. And he did probably have a little bit of a dip the last couple of years, but I suppose, unlike a lot of other players, you look at someone maybe like Hugo Keane and who came into the team and would just flourish as a full back. Just do your thing. And he's, he's flourished. And there's plenty of other guys like that. Ryan kind of came into the team, was flying, and then he was told... We'd like you to run the line out, James. We'd like you to be the next captain. We'd like you to be the leadership team. You know, we want you to bulk up and do that kind of tight head scrummaging role. So I imagine it's been, it hasn't rested easy on his shoulders. And conversely, I think he did a bit of a job with the line out last week. But he, the key factor there was Sam Whitelock, wasn't it? He's back now. And that's a huge game changer for the All Blacks. Like I think Ireland. 
there, there are a couple of lads Sexton and, and or Furlong if they're missing I think Ireland are really vulnerable and I think Whitelock falls into that category for the All Blacks I think if he's there they're a totally different proposition like I think Ronagar wrote a very good column about him in the examiner a few weeks ago just about the kind of player he is but the assurance he gives his teammates the leadership he has the work he does in the line out his experience like he's a winner like stockpiling super rugby titles second most capped all back of all time like serious player and then he had by his own standards White Lock had a quiet season in Super Rugby but then in the final against the Blues he switched it on best player on the pitch on the pitch destroyed the Blues line out so yeah, this is this is serious now and I mean Ryan's been like years ago everyone was talking about Ryan putting him in that kind of potentially world class bracket if he, if he does it against Whitelock this weekend and that conversation is back in again yeah, Ritalik and Whitelock were the, the lock pairing when they won the Rugby World Cup final all the way back in, in 2015. So, like, yeah. that's the level that we're operating at here. And, yeah. um, you know, it would be interesting to see if Henderson was around. Does Henderson start? Yeah. Uh, where does Tyburn play in that instance? Maybe because of Tyburn's injury um, in the build-up to this, he might not have started the first test if Henderson had been available or maybe he would have started instead of Peter Romani and Peter Romani would be on the bench. I don't know. It's it's, yeah. it's impossible to know. But um, or maybe, maybe James Ryan might not have started. So it's a big opportunity for him to pit himself against the world's best and remind us all of that, that narrative that we had at the start of his career as opposed to the one which was there most more recently that like maybe he's just a level below these guys. So that's the first one. The next one is Peter Romani versus Sam Kane, which obviously is... Um, yeah, you know, pretty interesting. It's a little bit of spice to this this week. Absolutely, like it's it's not necessarily head to head, but yeah, like I think Kane kind of laughed that off. They did a little pitch side interview during the week about O'Malley's alleged fledging towards within the second test. But I think even before that, I think Kane would have been really stung by what happened in Dunedin, and he's a guy who there's a lot of things being questioned about him. His place in the team has been questioned. His captaincy has been questioned. Like, I'd expect a huge reaction and he's still a fine player. Like, there's been, again, you talk about expectation with Kane, I guess, as O'Malley might have alluded to, he was, you know, he was trying to fill the boots of Richie McCaw. That's no, that's no mean piece. On top of that, he was given the captaincy after Kieran Reid retired, like, as two icons of New Zealand rugby and he's trying to, trying to fill both roles. And then, you have O'Malley who just, again, like, it's amazing like, I don't have the stat to hand but it must be getting to double figures the amount of times under Farrell that he's been benched and recalled I mean first first game Farrell ever had in charge he stuck from any on the bench and gave Darcy his first cap against Scotland back in 2020 he just keeps coming back and delivering as well so like, that would be amazing I think first 10-15 minutes between those two is going to be fascinating because they're kind of the, they kind of set the emotional level for both teams so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Next one is uh, Caelan Doris versus Ardi Savea. And, and while your line was down there, I was making the point that uh, it's a completely different New Zealand team this week if Ardi Savea stays on the field because he's yeah. one of their biggest contributors. Uh, like, you know, again, if you're talking about uh, emotional heartbeats, um, he's the man for them. And he's so brilliant. Like, uh, it was amazing to see Doris's performance last week. But it was also a Doris performance where Savea wasn't on the field. So um, this this hopefully will be titanic if Doris can show us the form that he showed last week as opposed to his first game. Exactly, yeah. This is, this is yeah, proper head-to-head. Now, first test, like, Sevilla kind of 
school, Doris, like we've, we've all hyped up Doris and a lot of it's been justified. Like Doris is the kind of guy you look at and say he can do everything but Sevilla's the guy who can do everything and he was he was untouchable in the first place in Eden Park that try and through Henshaw Ring Rosenards like they weren't there you know can do the line out can get over the ball he can carry he's explosive and as he said last weekend because of some there's a bit of a cock up there whatever it was he was on the pitch for most of the game Darce had a storm or now hopefully the two lads will be on the pitch for 80 minutes and let's see how they go uh, Andrew Porter versus uh, Nipo Lalala um, Lalala's coming into the team here and it's another challenge for Porter uh, in the first game they were penalised in the second game they got the, the upper hand yeah, yeah, they seem to fix it, and the, the big thing was like Porter was Porter, an absolute stormer. It's a bit, again, you probably season best performance. The brace scoring straight well. It's the guy twang a pass. He just just wasn't at the races. Missed that early tackle on Byrne that led to the line break that eventually led to, to Porter's first try. Didn't score much particularly well. You know, had to do eighty minutes after his replacement Tyabo got sent off. But yeah, and has been kind of brought in to to shore things up. Forty caps, bring a bit of experience. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's another big one for Porter. But you think he'll fancy it again, like despite despite the minutes he's racking up. And but uh, it's interesting. I like, tell you, it's it's trying to fancy. Like he suffered as a result of Porter's performance last weekend. Yeah, and they've, they've made a lot of changes. They're under pressure. They're backs to the wall. If we can just get off to a good start again for the third week yeah. in a row, there will be some doubt in the New Zealand minds. And then the last one, obviously, is the key battle in the entire game. Let's hope that Johnny Sexton is fit to play 76, 77, 78 minutes. It's Sexton versus Bowden Barrett. Bowden Barrett's been grand, like good in, in bits, but grand, you would say, over the first two tests. Not the world-class Bowden Barrett that we've come to expect the nine and a half out of ten performances that he was so famous for. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one at Barrett. And it, we're speaking to people in New Zealand, like, in, ter- in terms of form this season, in Super Cup, even in, in that final, like Richie Moanga, she's the man shooting the lights out, but I feel as his pastor, he's leaning on Barrett because you know, he's been there and done it so many times and he has the experience. But as, as you said, he hasn't for a guy of his talents and we know all about him, what he can do to Ireland. As I said, the, senior, the series has kind of passed him by. You know, the worry is that he finds his mojo in Wellington and we see a bit more of a free-running, line-breaking bars that we know we know the game he has. But like, Sexton, what else can you say? He's 37 this week and he's absolutely flying. Yeah, as good as he's ever been for Ireland. Yeah. Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's hard. in terms of just his control and his ease, and a lot of things, he's improved so many things even in terms of the captaincy, his his body language on the pitch, the way he's dealing with referees, his temperament, like, all, as well as like his attacking play and his kicking and his decision-making is top class. But all those things, he's tightened all those things up in the last couple of years as well. That's a fair point, actually. Yeah, yeah. In the first game, when there were crazy decisions being made, uh, there might have been an, an overreaction in the early stages of his captaincy, but it was um, much calmer, and even calmer last week as well. And he seems to be, like, just a couple of... Like, he's a bit resigned against some of the older referees, some of the French referees, but it seems like he's he's getting a good rapport with some of the younger refs now. And yeah, as he said, like, you think of a couple of years ago, that substitution when he was taken off for Osborne in Paris, and... You know, he got caught in the big screen, kind of gesticulating. Like, oh, that seems to have gone. He's a bit more measured now, and like he's still, he's still a hugely emotional player. He, you know, wears his heart in his sleeve. That comes out in his play. But you know, I feel he's just that's a that's a part of the team that's gone under the radar. Just in terms of the captaincy, he's really 
those little kind of nuances, he's really picked up his game there as well. Yeah. But the problem is, who? It's, it's, it's that big question again, what if he's not there? But sure, look. Yeah. Yeah. Prey was the, uh, yeah. the yeah. consensus earlier on in the week. Uh, Rory, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I do. I, 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 I do think there's going to be a massive reaction from New Zealand. Just, I, do, I would, I would back them to win it. I don't think they're going to win by much. I would say, I was going to make a prediction. I maybe say New Zealand between eight and twelve points. I would say, but I would expect Ireland a very good Ireland performance going down fighting. But as I say, I think New Zealand there'll be a big reaction. I also think that bench as well is stacked. I think that'll make a huge difference. Yeah. the last quarter yeah, okay. fortunately this is the little period in advance of the game where we all get to believe anything is possible we should enjoy that because 5 past 8 on Saturday morning things can go pear-shaped Rory good stuff great to have you with us thanks a million cheers thanks for all the best that's uh, Roy Keane there you can read stuff in the mail um, there is uh, <laughs> Ian Poulter is um, joined top of the leaderboard at the moment on 3 under par through 9 holes at St Andrews at the moment um, the various Irish lads not out just yet I'll, um, we'll be updating you on these across the day but um, just scrolling through the leaderboard to see if there's any of the um, Irish lads on course Seamus Powers 1 over through 5 holes uh, John Daly 2 over through 6 and that is it in terms of the Irish but um, some good early scores there's um, Brandon Wu is on 3 under uh, Yu Hyung Kim on three under, Cameron Tringale in three under, Ian Poulter on three under as well. Um, they're the the golf scores at the moment. We'll obviously keep you up to date on that across the day on the uh, network on the Goliath Network of stations every hour on the air with our sports news um, tomorrow. Ashley O'Reilly hosting. Owen is live in Kilkenny and we'll continue our build-up to Sunday's All-Ireland Hurling Final Plus All Blacks legend Justin Marshall will be on the line ahead of the decider on Saturday in Wellington and a reminder OTBM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar 